0: Hey, welcome to the 269th episode of The Random Podcast from Heck. This is a podcast about random things in the world of entertainment, which includes movies, TV shows, comic books, and a little bit of music. Big shout-out to David McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. Sometimes I talk about movies, sometimes I do like off-my-mind commentaries. But uh, often, mostly, what I do is talk about old, weird, classic, cool comic book story arcs or issues. I've been doing some like Batman comics from the early '60s, weird, funky, uh, and and my focus is is the original Batwoman, Kathy Kane, and like Batgirl. And I'm just really curious about this era. And it's just amazing that I love the artwork and just the weird stories. And like, what was it? Last week, there was a, a, an alien comes like trying to get silver. And and it's, oh, it's, there's an alien here. He's no, no big deal. Let's, let's see what, he, what he's up to. There's like no concern or anything. So I'll probably do at least another one this, this week. But if you can't commit, then that, that's probably a horrible sell. But if you can't commit to a, a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to dot com slash gmanfromheck. You can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or six. That is ko-fi.com slash gmanfromheck. All right, so this week... It might be a slightly shorter episode, which is kind of a relief for me because I'm getting a, a late start with recording this uh, later than I normally do. So we have House of Dragon, The Patient, Chucky, Stargirl, Star Wars, all, all those. Uh, there's no Rick and Morty. There is no um, She-Hulk because those those are over. But I will talk about the Batman and Superman uh, Battle of the Super Sons animated movie that, that came out uh, last week. So, I enjoyed that. Spoiler. So, let's talk a little bit about that. And then the movie feature is Black Adam. Hmm. What could I possibly have to say about that? Did I like it? Did I not like it? So, just tune in to find out. Or stay tuned. Keep, continue tuning. Don't, you don't have to tune anything. Just just keep listening. There's no no tuning involved. But let's talk about the news. It doesn't seem like... <laughs> how many times have I said this? It doesn't seem like there's a lot of news going on. A uh, interesting thing speaking of black adam coming out walter hamada who was like the in charge of dc films he is officially leaving the the, the writing's been kind of on the wall since like the merger and the new ceo and everything like that he he wasn't really happy after batgirl got got canceled you know so he started like making his exit strategy there i'm sure there's gonna be some people are saying that this is justice this is what he you know all all the accusations against him before which again i'm not getting into that i don't know anything about that but he's just basically like like yeah you know things are changing and and you know he's he's like the fifth executive to leave since the merger and you know just things are it's a different different thing and i totally get that that sometimes it's just it's it's not for everyone, you know, it's like okay, I'm gonna do something else. So they're, you know, they're gonna have to figure out like an exit payout and stuff like that. So he will be fine, and I'm sure, you know, we'll be here. He'll pop up somewhere else. So that's weird. I don't, you know, I don't really know much about the guy. I never really paid attention to what his accomplishments or, you know, what he's really worked on before. It was really all like the Ray Fisher stuff. You know, his name kept popping up. Is that's when i I heard about him, so thanks to Ray, you know putting him in in my radar or whatever, so yeah, we'll have to see but th- it's just weird that this official whatever exit stuff is happening right when Black Adam is coming out, and he's you know an executive producer, so you know he had a lot to do with this movie coming out and i th- I think the movie's projected to do like hundred and thirty five million you know th- this weekend, so but he wasn't at the premiere either because he's probably just like, I'm, I'm done. Or maybe there's, you know, other things. Maybe he was told not to go. I doubt it. I don't know. Um, speaking of also another executive producer, Jeff Johns, who, you know, there's other weird accusations against him in the past, but I've never seen any of that. Jeff Johns seems like the nicest guy. He's always been so incredibly nice and helpful to me. And I appreciate just uh, just the conversations we've had, you know, like on and off the record. I mean, so, I'm happy about this. Uh, he there's going to be a Geiger. There's talks of a Geiger TV adaptation. So, if you've read Geiger, you should really read it. You know, Jeff Johns and Gary Frank. I mean, they're such a, a creative dynamic duo. So, it's it's apparently going to be through Paramount Television Studios. That doesn't necessarily mean Paramount Plus. I don't think because I you know sometimes it gets distributed through other outlets things but that'd be cool if it was on there uh justin uh simeon is going to be involved with this but he's also doing the haunted mansion reboot and i think he was attached to something else too so it's like this guy seems like kind of busy but you know obviously things shuffle and you know whatever priority takes place so we'll have to see it's uh it's a interesting story, and you know, the story's not over. I think we only had what was it six issues? It feels like maybe there's more. I don't know, but I feel like it could be like an ambitious kind of story and just like setting to to take on. So it'll be really cool to see what, what they do with that. Apparently, also Warner Brothers already has a script plan for Flash Two. That's like a report, so it's nothing's been said or anything like that. But supposedly, I mean, obviously, well. I guess having a script is, is a big deal because a lot of times they're probably have plans or outlines or something like that. Like, I'm sure they already have plans for Black Adam 2. You know, nothing is been said or set, but I'm sure they have an idea. Like, when they do the first one, they're like, okay, you know, we could do this in the first movie. Then maybe we could do this second. And, you know, they probably even have ideas for a third since, you know, Hollywood t- tends to love trilogies unless, you know, they have a runaway train hit. Does that make sense? We're not a runaway train, so we'll see. But uh, yeah, I don't know. And I, I think Ezra Miller like pleaded, 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 pleaded innocent to like the burglary chart. I didn't even read that. I just saw the headline, and so I don't know. Good luck. I, I hope everything works out. That he's he's doing well. Over at Marvel, so apparently, the leader almost appeared in the She Hulk show. So Jessica Gao, who was, you know, was is she the showrunner? I know she's writer, director. She's heavily involved with, with the show. But she's talking about, like, early, early, like, early drafts of the show. They're, they're talking about having the leader in there and everything. But then things change. And I think she's like, I don't even remember why we ended up not using him. Because, you know, so long ago, you know, there, it wasn't necessarily that they weren't told that they couldn't. But just, you know, things that ended up changing. So that that's kind of interesting because... With the news of the leader appearing, I think it was, was it Captain America: The New World Order movie. I kind of wondered, it's like, oh, is the leader going to be in She Hulk? And you know, is, is he the one trying to get She Hulk's blood and all that? But apparently not. Because if you watch the finale, you know who was involved with that. There's been a little bit of Charlie Cox Daredevil news. Yeah, not, not nothing really concrete. He's been talking about, uh, like, he, he talked about Jessica Henwick. You know, he's talking about some of the other uh, Netflix Marvel actors. And, you know, he had, like, good things to say. He's, like, he doesn't know anything going on, you know, but he was, like, really impressed with her. He's, like, he said he going to put in a good word for her or whatever. And, you know, he also talked about Tatiana Maslany saying how, you know, it was great working with her. He's, like, you know, he'd love for her to be able to show up and everything. But, you know, he doesn't know. He's, like, you know, we have 18 episodes and... But there's no scripts yet. You know, they're not there yet. They're still working on them. So you know, he doesn't know like what the idea is. He also kind of was talking about like the continuity. He has no idea like what elements are sticking, what's not. You know, we all we know is Charlie Cox and you know Daredevil and Kingpin are involved, but he doesn't know what if any elements from the Netflix series are are sticking or if it's just going to be all swept under the rug and start you know, whatever so it'll be interesting to see and I, i'm sure some people are going to complain about that you know if if things are slightly different but i don't know I, I i just feel like as much as i enjoyed the shows they didn't feel like they were in continuity you know and it just because there was that lack of communication between marvel tv and marvel studios so and you know, maybe it's just for the best that they just start over because there's other things too. like what if what if they want to do? I don't want to use a lecturer since we had that story that came out last week, but even it's like just the slightest thing where maybe there's like a missed opportunity or maybe an idea to do something different that would contradict stuff. So we'll see. Oh, I forgot to mention uh, James Gunn is apparently in talks to do new DC movie. I don't know if that's new news or if that was from last week. But because I think I remember hearing that he pitched an idea about something, but we have no idea what uh, you know. There's with with the talk of like, I think I saw something that there's like kind of two possible ideas or directions that they could do with a, like a a Superman movie, Henry Cavill. What if he was involved with with that? Like, what if he was gonna pitch an idea to do? I don't know if the, how that would be. I, I'm trying to think because we really or at least for me when i think of james gunn now i I think more like i mean he does the good action all that stuff but you kind of think about comedy you think about guardians of the galaxy and you think about peacemaker but he's not just about comedies and i'm sure he could do a, a great superman movie just keep a certain other person far far away i don't know oh going back to marvel i'm just jumping all over so that uh, big can't not a big cameo, but the the cameo to happen at the the end of She Hulk, and I won't say it in case you haven't watched it yet, since this isn't like necessary spoiler section. But apparently, that was Kevin Feige's idea. He like you know there, I think they were thinking like like oh you know how could we end this you know what what could we do Easter eggs or cameos at the end, and he's like. He really pushed for that, and that's what he wanted. No idea where that character is going to appear next, if if anywhere. But he, I guess, he just wanted to set it up. I felt it was a very—I don't know if I how much I went into it when I talked about the episode. It just seems weird because one is like, how long was uh, the certain other character with him, which I don't want to spoil, and I, I just feel like. I, I guess it doesn't have to go in the same or in real time. So when we see this character in a movie, you know we could all have to, whatever. I shouldn't I'm just tiptoeing around. It just doesn't make any sense if you don't know what I'm talking about. So we'll have to see about that. And then the the last bit of news so see I, I, t- I told you, not a lot of news. Apparently, it's official. I haven't read any official statement or anything like that, but everyone's saying it's official. It's official. Uh, Harrison Ford. I guess is going to be the new Thunderbolt Ross. Uh, so, yeah, we'll see. Um, I just wonder how, what that means because Harrison Ford, I love Harrison Ford, but it's whenever you see interviews with him, he seems like he's in such a bad mood. He's just like complaining about everything. I I feel like I'm like he probably hasn't seen a lot of the Marvel movies because I I feel like he just wouldn't care. You know, it's just like whatever so he's gonna do this what does he know about the character has he seen it and you know maybe there's not a whole lot lot to know are we ever gonna get a red Hulk in, in the Marvel universe so it may not even matter if he's just playing just as you know general Ross he, he doesn't need to know about any of that it's just like you know just feed him his lines or you know tell him what to do where to stand and who to bark orders at but you know we'll have to see um, I think that could be very interesting but it might not be that big of a deal, but the, the cast him, or maybe that was the only thing he's like, okay, I'll do it. But you know, I only want to film for, you know, two weeks. If that, I don't know, but I, th- I think that'll be cool. And, uh, that is also going to be, that's it. That's the news for the week. Oh no, no, no. I take that back. So I, <laughs> I meant to start off with this. So, uh, music as you're well aware, probably well aware Last Friday, uh, October twenty-first at midnight, Taylor Swift's album came out. Her tenth th- tenth album came out. It it was, it was so it was really kind of crazy the way it happened. So it came out at midnight, which was nine p.m. Pacific, which is great. And then what happened is three hours later, which would have been three a.m. on the East Coast, they released another version the 3 a.m edition of of the album of midnights and it had because the regular album has 13 songs because as you know 13 is like the magic number for taylor and at the, the 3 a.m edition it has seven more songs so we're talking a total of 20 new songs and uh that that's pretty nuts but the the big news that came out like like the the same day that midnight's broke a a record less than 24 hours after its release so spotify announced on friday that the 10th album is officially the most streamed album in a single day in a platform's history so a lot of people just immediately they're like oh taylor swift or whatever and and you know I was talking to a student about it because I have a lot of students obviously you know that are into Taylor Swift and you know most of them are girls not all of them but you know every time it comes up you know some of the boys will be like Taylor Swift or something like that and it you know it doesn't matter if, if, if you aren't into her type of music that's fine you can't deny the accomplishments that she's done I mean if you look at all the awards and I know awards are subjective or whatever she wins a ton tons of awards and you know she's accomplished a lot. I mean, it's just amazing everything that she takes on. She does a lot of, of things, and you know she doesn't do it for the credit. You know, a lot of she does a lot of stuff, and then it comes out later that oh, she did this, she did that, she donated this or whatever. And you know, so you can't argue with with the record sales, and you know, uh, yeah. So, congrats, and and I I enjoyed the album. I, I think it was it was good, and you can watch. The video that she wrote and directed it was it had some good themes <laughs> some of my students are like, can we watch the video i was like we can watch it during break you know i didn't want to show it during class and you know they 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 enjoyed it it's 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 funny it's brilliant and there, there's like a good message in in a song which i i felt was important for the 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 girls at my school you know we're talking you know 13 year old girls who are dealing with a lot of things and and you know the song "Anti Hero." If you listen to the lyrics, you know there's there's like a good positive message there. So I, I thought that that was 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 another good thing. Anyways, so congrats and congrats to all the fans and the people who don't like it. That's that's your problem. <laughs> but that is going to be the news for the week. All right, with comic books, let's see let's see what I did not read this week because usually I think I read everything, and it turns out I didn't. So one thing, Deadliest Bouquet number three came out. So three of five, this is Erica Schultz, uh, written comic. I didn't read this one. I'm really enjoying this. Uh, you know, we have these three sisters. They had this interesting life. Their mother, like, I forget if her mom was a Nazi hunter. You know, They have this one gun. I think it was a Nazi gun or something like that. But, you know, she taught them how to, like, survive and do all this stuff like that. She ends up getting killed. So then they're kind of called back to, like, you know, the scene of the crime type of thing. And, you know, police have questions for them. And it's like, what's going on? But there's, there's there's like a bigger story going on. And I'm just, it's interesting getting with the flashbacks, like how they grew up and, you know, the sisters don't necessarily get along, you know, a couple of them left. And one was, I think, still like living nearby with with the mom. And, you know, was the mom crazy? Was there something else? And so it's a, it's an interesting story. But uh, yeah, unfortunately I I didn't get, I didn't read it this week. I, I will probably like this weekend or whatever after this. Then there was, Deadly class, number 56. So this was uh, the final issue. If you've been listening to me uh, talk for for a while, and not just this episode, but just in in general, so you know I kind of have this thing, and it's not unique to me. I know other people do this too, where when something ends, I kind of don't want to consume the last bit cuz like i remember when Futurama, the first time it was canceled or the first when it ended i was like okay i'm not going to watch these last few episodes because then i know there'll be some new episodes out there that i can watch if i choose to so even though it's over i still have new episodes left and you know i've, I've done that a couple other times where it and it's it's kind of like being in denial not wanting to admit that whatever is over because I I think did the same thing with um, iZombie. i Zombie. I still haven't read th- the last issue of that, and I don't want to because I enjoyed the series. I probably will eventually read it, but you know just avoiding it. A couple of other things I I, I can't remember, but with Deadly Class. So I've said from the beginning, Deadly Class is my favorite comic. It's 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 just something about it. It it has this charm, just the, the art and the color and just the writing, and you know, it's not like full of the most likable characters and it's, you know, not for me, I tend to gravitate more towards superhero comics. This is not a superhero comic. So it's, it's just something about it just really called out to me and connected. And I don't know if it's because it takes place in, you know, starts off in 1987, something about that era and just like the music, you know, just a lot, lot of the punk music, you know, stuff that I, I just was really into and listening to and, you know, back then. And so, we basically have the story of this kid who, you know, horrible, you know, tragic life, and then he's living on the streets, gets pulled into attending a school for assassins. And, you know, high school is bad enough as it is. Imagine a high school with kids training to, to kill. So, you know, you have all sorts of different things. And then, you know, you, there's darker mysteries and, you know, things just get worse and other things happen. And we, you know, we see it as the kids or different cliques and you know some people getting along with with others and not getting along with other others and then people are moving out things getting twisted and sideways and so it's it's just been it's been a fascinating story just all these different characters and and it's not just been around the school because you know they, they move away from the school because of certain things and it's just like them out in other other areas and this last arc there's been some like big time jumps you know it's, it's like it's per, i'm like holy crap we're like skipping like 20 years or 10 years whatever and it's been approaching like the present and there's been some like not so fortunate conclusions for some of the characters and if you think about just their connection stuff that they've been involved with or you know it's it's like can there be any other way and one of the things that the main character you know at one point he's he's writing like a screenplay or a book or something like that and he's talking about like not wanting to do like your typical hollywood ending because it's so cliche and everything like that and as as you're reading this this or as i'm reading this this series i'm like man I, i i can't believe this this character is gone, or that character. And I was like, I don't know if I want to read the last issue. So, two reasons I don't want to read the last issue. It's like, one, I don't want it to be over. And two, I don't know if I really want this non Hollywood ending where everyone meets a, a horrible fate. Because that's what unfortunately often happens in life. I, I was like, I, I'm just not going to read it. But then, you know, I had the opportunity to read it early. So, I'm like, Uh, I'm gonna do it. I I have to. I can't resist it. Even you know, yeah. So I I read it, and man, I was just like so like nervous as I am you know flipping the page. I'm like, okay, this doesn't look too bad. I was like, what's gonna happen? I was like, oh, here it comes. Turn the page. Okay, not yet. It's coming. Oh man. Okay, now now this this is not good. And then you turn the page, and it was just, it was just it was like bad. And then. I just don't want to spoil anything and I, I don't want to like hint or anything like that. But I, I got emotional like big time. I was just like, I wasn't expecting to be like, like tears. And it, it was just, it was, it was a, a very, it was it a perfect ending. I would almost say considering all the characters and just the, the nature of the characters and nature, of the story and everything like that. I, I thought it was, it was very fitting and it may not be, 100% what I would have wanted but I think it was to me it was a perfect ending. I, I I just loved it and it just you know there was like some things that really tore at my heart and I was just like that's what I I just was doing like ugly face crying. So I wrote a review for it which is basically kind of summing up what I what I said and it just really hit me cuz as soon as I read it I I just wrote the review. And I, I think it was like Monday night when I, when I wrote the review, but I waited till Wednesday to the post. Yeah. It was just, I, I couldn't, couldn't believe it. So if you have not read deadly class one year for a treat, because you, you can read these 56 issues and it's just such, such an amazing series. And, and I, one of the things I, I wrote, it's, it's kind of like when you finish watching friends or the office or, and I, I said, adventure time, you know, as soon as you're done, it's like, you want to start over and, and just do it all over again. and, I I feel like I, I think I'm gonna do that like soon. Oh man, I just I can't believe it's over. Then there was uh public domain issue five. I I'm really enjoying this this series. This is by Chip Zdarsky. Public domain, you know, we have this character that it there's some similarities to like Marvel characters, whatever. You know, you got these big huge like Avengers type movies, you know, blockbusters, stuff like that. But you have the comic creator who is not really happy with how they're being portrayed and everything and he there's this uh document that was uncovered that he actually owned the rights so then it's like maybe he wants to fight to get the characters back you know to get you know or fight to own the character and you know do things his way the problem is he is going up against this major you know movie studio and, or company so it's like even though he has this document which is is questionable if it would hold up in court They could keep him like in litigation hell for like you know decades, and the the guy would be like, you know, he's old as it is. You know, he's doesn't he'd be dead before he even gets close to being settled. And so it's it's going back for. So even though, see, I don't want to spoil too much. Anyways, it it progresses to the next next stage as to like what can be done with these rights and and stuff like that. And there's just there's like some some charm to the book. It's it's just it's enjoyable and. i i do recommend that so track down these five issues or wait a little bit and get the trade you know what would be coming out soon but you know support the 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 floppies support the individual issues then there's silver coin issue 15. so this issue was pretty interesting because uh there's this character that we've seen before he's the firefighter and you know we saw when he he gets the coin and he was also at, at the diner issue you know there's something like tie-ins of past things that have happened and uh yeah it's just this this series i i love it i love michael walsh's his art and you know he's he he does writing you know there's other people who have been writing different stories and that and but man each one is just like such a downer and you know it's it's it is not an upbeat series so it's just it's so bizarre reading this that it's just it's so dark and drab and it's like oh man these horrible things happening but I equate it to like you know when when I watch horror movies sometimes you know people are like how can you watch that and I I always kind of joke it's like well it, it just makes you see that you know your life isn't that bad that you know there it could be worse you know, you could have these horrific you know whatever things happening it's it's a great series uh, Michael Walsh you know has mentioned at the end of this issue he's taking a, a little little break because uh, things happening you know just had a kid. So you know priorities, which is great. I'm I'm so happy for him, and that's important. Things like you got to do things, you know, take care of the important things. And so, so if if there's a longer wait and longer hiatus, that is totally fine. You know, we will survive because you know some things are more important than others. At Boom Studios, I was was tempted. There's a Eve Children of the Moon number one of five. So this is. Uh, we, I, I talked about this this series Eve, the, the first series where there's this girl who was in this virtual reality world, and then when she came out, she was like in this like island thing, or not this island, it's a is kind of like a this whatever thing in the middle of the ocean, and she's gonna make her way to the land, and then there's this like robotic teddy bear that was with her, and you know there's this like kind of this sickness that was overtaking people. And uh, so this is uh, basically continuing. <laughs> and I know that's a horrible description, but I enjoyed the first series. I, I didn't get around to reading that, but I, I should check that out. Uh, at IDW, I, I told myself I was going to read this, but G.I. Joe, Real American Hero 299 came out. I'm not super crazy about the Cobra Casino story, but because this is leading to the end of IDW's, you know, their, their final J.J. Joe story arc, I wanted to read this, but it's like, using a brand new casino on Cobra Island as front, Cobra has been busy resurrecting dangerous villains and heroes alike, all in the hope of creating the deadliest Cobra army ever. It would all be up to the warriors of J.J. Joe to foil their arch enemies' evil machinations before it's too late. The fight for the the fight for the fate of the world is barreling to a calamitous conclusion and it's time for every single player to go all in so i think i'm two issues to 298 so i might have been 297 was the last one i read and when genghis khan was revived and that was just that was just kind of weird i don't know how i I'm still not sure how i felt about that issue at DC, we had Flashpoint Beyond issue six. Wow, I mean, there's some 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 crazy things that happened here. Basically, you know, Jeff Johns has been uh kind of kind of working on reestablishing like certain things with with Flashpoint because it's like, wait, the Flashpoint world was was destroyed, but it kind of wasn't. You know, somehow it was still there. So we we have you know Thomas Wayne back there, and you know he's he's got his mission and and stuff. But there's also some connections to what was the, the Watchmen story? Was it, it wasn't Countdown? Was it Countdown that Jeff Johns wrote? Um, so there, there's some stuff involved with that. Tim Sheridan and Jeremy Adams are also are co- like co-writing and this this series but there's just some some very interesting things that, that get set up and uh, some some things are established like kind of new status quos and just like you know Batman makes a stand against uh, the time masters like rip hunter and and others and yeah so you, you shouldn't miss out on this and I just feel like so out of the loop because like when this series first started I was, I didn't realize it was a new issue because I read was well, started reading one. I was like, "Oh, this is just just a Batman, uh, you know, a reprint of that, like a collection of it." And so, yeah, there's some some definitely interesting th- things here that you should check out. Um, there was Titans United Blood Pact issue two. I did not read this one, but this is this is that that kind of what I say is 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 weird. Uh, Teen Titans. So this is like in a its separate continuity. And uh, this this is like in the same continuity as the Teen Titans with the re- so it's almost like T, like t- uh, Teen Titans or Titans the HBO Max Titans show but in comics but not not quite. Um, so yeah, I, I need to read that because I I am I'm I'm curious about that. I, I'm I'm enjoying it. There was Harley Quinn to animated series Legion of Bats. I didn't even look at that. I, I don't know how that would be. Because for me, often the uh, the adapted adaptations of like TV shows and stuff like that, they just feel a little lacking. But I could be wrong. Rogues issue four came out. So this is uh, the final issue. And we so basically, you know, this is a Black Label book. So this is, you know, Joshua Williamson. And it's basically the rogues, you know, they're old and, you know, Captain Cold, He he's tired of his life, you know, just, not you know being a rogue and you know just trying to have a normal blue collar job or whatever like that he's not happy he's completely miserable so they come up with this idea to rob gorilla god Ga- gorilla grads like gold reserves and gorilla city and you know so it's a kind of like get the gang back together but you know they're all old and some people are a little unstable uh mentally and um then the plan goes a little haywire and it's just things get bad and uh so yeah it's a it's it's a good series. Nightwing ninety seven. So there's still like Fallout with the uh, the the clash with Blockbuster and you know trying to clean up all the corruption and bloodhaven and you know what that means for Nightwing and and everything, you know, trying to get people to testify, but you know there's so many people out to get them and, and so forth. But then so basically it it ends with Nightwing and Batgirl taking one person kind of like into protective custody because when they were being transported, they they were getting attacked because you know you even people that who they think are, are clean are in on you know whatever scheme to take out this 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 person. The last page is crazy. Like someone shows up and um, you may have read spoilers. You know, some people seek out spoilers because I I don't understand why it's it's crazy, and I don't know what this means, and I I I'm a little scared, but we'll have to have to, I don't know I don't don't know what to expect. Catwoman uh, issue forty eight. Uh, I I don't like this dude. I keep forgetting his name name that's that's hanging around. He just I don't know. He just doesn't. I he I'm not he I don't find him appealing. So there, there's a lot of stuff going on there, and just it, it feels like I'm I'm kind of enjoying the the story, but it just it's starting to feel like it, it's going on. You know, all this Catwoman versus Black Mask. I mean, he's just he's so unhinged, and yeah, it's just like weird because Catwoman and this dude they like leave Gotham, but then I feel like the day like return back right away because you know there's there's an issue where they're on a plane, and I don't know. yeah yeah i just wasn't super crazy about this issue um black adam issue five i kind of skimmed through this so this is where black adam's like dying and he bequeaths his power to sort of like a descendant and then but then he's like back and yeah so i was i wasn't really sure what was going on because i i think i might have skimmed the last issue too (laughs) but you can't do that if you want to know what's going on batman one bad day penguin um not my favorite of these stories, and again, I have the question: You know, are these in continuity or not? And I just, I get so hung up on it. I know I should let it go, but it, yeah. So obviously, this was not kind of continuity because it's it's set, you know, slightly in the future because you know, Penguin's kind of at the end of his game. Even though we've just seen Penguin undergo a change in current continuity, but of course, that can always somehow be reversed. So here we see penguin kind of had like a fall from grace and then he basically wants to try to regain his empire even though he was like massively defeated and betrayed or whatever so it was it was i mean it it was okay i i i I stuck through i read the whole thing you know i i didn't like give up on it but yeah i mean maybe it, it might also be because i'm not super crazy about penguin you know, he, he's he's a okay character i respect him for being one of batman's you know rogues but he's not my favorite so i don't know then there is a gcpd the blue wall so this is i enjoyed this it's basically we're, we're seeing there's some focus on some like rookies who are just you know graduating to become uh officers and everything and there's a lot of like you, you sort of not necessarily behind the scenes but like how the police force you know, operates in gotham and you know patrolling and and stuff like that so there there's some interesting some cool things that are brought up and how they're going to be handled and so forth so i i'm enjoying that I, I like that the flash 787 oh my goodness i did not like this issue some people may have liked this and I, I did. I actually I don't do this often because mainly I don't have the time. I did seek out like other reviews. So again, if you go to comicbookroundup.com, you can see it's it's basically like a Metacritic for comic uh, reviewers. And I used to be on there also, which was kind of cool when I found out about that. But I don't do scores when, and I hardly do reviews because I mostly do comic talk on a podcast here. Regardless, whatever. So I went there to look at how the reviews were for this issue. I was like, man, people... (laughs) There's going to be so much hate on this. There was a lot of people who liked it. And it kind of get me wondering, like, who am I? Like, what's going on? So basically, one the the sort of main focus is there's like this intergalactic wrestling circuit thing or whatever. It ends up, up appearing on Earth or like the fight somehow goes into the city because wally's like at home with the kids and they start watching this and they're like oh we shouldn't be watching this but they like get hooked and then they're like wait is this happening downtown so wally goes to check it out and then he kind of gets pulled into this wrestling thing and it's just maybe i'm i you know i used to be into wrestling i don't watch current wrestling stuff i have nothing against it I, I know some people are like hardcore into it. I think that's awesome that you can be so passionate and you have all this stuff. But this issue, I just, I didn't, didn't dig it. It just felt, uh, I was like, what are you trying to do here? But some people like that. And I just, I, I don't understand. And that's okay. Not everything has to be for me, but I'm just confused. Cause I, I love Wally West. I, I don't <laughs> love the, current issues so much and this one I just didn't I don't know then there's a deceased war of the undead gods issue 3 so there's this is another one that's like man you know we have like not good things happening Uh, there's there's some stuff with uh, Adam Strange going on and uh, yeah it's just there's not some so some some things that aren't aren't so happy that happen. Then there's uh stuff with Lobo, which uh I just I used to like Lobo, but I just I'm not super crazy about him so much anymore. So it just I don't know it just I wasn't super crazy about that. But then there's like other other little bits that that pick up there. Um, there's also DC versus Vampire All Out War Issue Four and something felt off a little bit with this i have been enjoying this one you know you have the main series which which is great and this one you know there's like some characters i'm like wait who who are these characters supposed to be but yeah i i don't know i i don't know if it's i was just distracted when i read it but i just it, it didn't quite do it for me even though i've been loving the series dark crisis young justice issue five so what I enjoy about this is the fact that we have Robin, Tim Drake, we have Connor, Superboy, and we have Bart, Impulse, and we also have like Cassie Sandsmark, Wonder Girl. We have uh, not Artemis, um, Arrowette. So you know we get these characters and they've been pulled out. Some of them, the, the the boys have been pulled out into this other like world, and which is kind of like them in the past. So someone's like making them sort of relive. A different era and last issue we found out who it was and i don't know how i feel about the introduction i think this is an introduction of his character i could be wrong one thing to bother me is this character's hair which whatever you know it's that that should be an issue but it's a i i'm enjoying it just for the fact that the character and the characters involved some parts of the story uh, not super crazy about but it's 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 fun to see these characters in action so that makes it worth reading for me then there's batman the Night issue 10 so i think was this the last issue uh yeah 10 of 10 so this wraps things up you know bruce wayne has been going around the world training with uh different uh, experts and different the areas and stuff like that he's met ghost maker along the way and they become friends and and competitors or you know, whatever but then those these last couple of issues he they meet up with like rachel ghoul and talia um, what's weird one thing that bugs me is Th- talia's hair because i'm used to like talia's hair being like kind of like interface or whatever but here it's like kind of pulled back and it's almost like she has these big long sideburns which seem kind of weird and it's not they're not supposed to be sideburns but they look like sideburns but it's basically you know bruce becoming aware of Rachel ghoul and is really you know falling for his ideals and everything but of course we all know Rachel ghoul has some pretty extreme ideas as well so will bruce find out about it here you'll find out then there is batman superman world's finest issue eight so this is by mark wade and uh dan mora this has been such a, a a fun series i mean we have you know, cool stories we have great art and just the color is just so so crisp and vibrant and i just i re- really I, i'm enjoying this and uh you know we had this introdu- introduction to this new character and just the the way mark wade is writing like the you know robin and batman and with superman and, and then you know we have some other characters involved like i i there's something about the, the the depiction of supergirl here is just find it really charming and welcoming and so i i'm enjoying that so i recommend you know you you read that series as as well at marvel the aliens issue two i didn't read the first issue of this i don't know uh i was reading the last issue and and it, it it was that for me it was the issue of the color. Just felt weird. It was too distracting for me. Avengers issue sixty one. So we still have the Avengers versus Mephisto throughout time and all this stuff. There's a big focus on Star Brand here. And you know it's kind of like a tragic story how you know there's some some aspects where like you know not that long ago I, I was in the crib and now you know she's an adult you know she's like lost her life you know she's aged so much and and you know what is she fighting for and there, there's some interesting moment where she kind of like takes a pause and you know to appreciate things that she may have missed you know things around her but uh, i don't know what her fate's going to be like how long is she going to be around captain america symbol of truth so this is a sam wilson series I, I don't want to spoil things that that happen. Basically, there's this uh woman is elected a uh, I think the prime minister of a a nation like an African nation like north of Wakanda, and you know they're a struggling nation and stuff like that. And you know she has some, a lot of good ideals. You know she's she's basically like you're not typical politician because she's actually good. And you know she has these ideas. So you know Sam's kind of there to protect her. You know after I I don't know if I mentioned they're at the United Nations. But then there's a attack, you know, that that goes towards them, and and yeah, so things happen there. I don't want to spoil anything. Crypt of Shadows issue one. I wasn't crazy about this, so this is this was only like a, uh, according to Marvel app forty four pages. We have some stories. There's like a man thing. There's a moon. I mean, the only reason I opened it up because of Moon Knight. But there's also X twenty three. But there's also Bloodstone and. Uh, one of the the weird things is, we have sort of like a narrator. It's like I feel like it's supposed to be sort of like a crypt keeper type of character, but it's not a crypt keeper. It's a a human, and it's apparently Doctor Strange's brother. So I'm like, wait, when did uh, Doctor Strange have a brother, Victor Strange? But then there's a mention like why, where, why he's where he's at. And kind of why we haven't heard of him. Uh, okay, but he's basically telling you know the, the stories, and uh, I I didn't I we, it wasn't crazy. So you know we have this Moon Knight story, and it, it has is Werewolf by Moon Knight. So I'm like, oh, they're meeting up again. But this was the newer Werewolf by Night, which I I only read I think like maybe the first two issues of that series, so. Yeah, I wasn't super crazy about, about these. And the, the X-23, I'm pretty sure it was X-23, but it's just it a bizarre story. I don't know what's going on. Then there was also Deadly Neighborhood Spider-Man. I started reading this, but it was like getting late. I I need to go back and just really focus on this. A revolutionary dark take on Spider-Man begins here. What is reality? What is dream? What is science? What is magic? What is magic? At the intersection of all that stands, the deadly neighborhood Spider-Man. Peter Parker goes to Los Angeles and finds that there are definitely not angels. The demons waiting for Peter are going to test him like never before. One devil in particular, a very famous one for Marvel and the X-Fans in particular, might just eat Spider-Man. So, I I feel like as I'm reading this, I'm like, wait, did I miss something? What is going on? Because, you know, you just see the way... Spider-Man looks and everything, and the fact that he's in an LA, it's like what what is going on there? And then he's with some people or like and who he works with. I feel like his like he doesn't have a secret identity. There are just he's shared it with a lot of people. So as I was I started reading it and I was like, I don't know how I feel about this, and I started skimming and kind of reading some I'm like, wait. I think I need to go back and read this because I have no idea. This is just so weird. So I, I think it's just, you know, it's a revolutionary take, so it's definitely out of continuity, but it's just seems kind of kind of weird, and I'm, I'm curious. <laughs> I don't know what to make of that. Iron Man 24. I I'm just haven't been super crazy about this story arc. You know, Tony's been trying to buy up weapons, you know, to, to get them off the streets type of thing, and They're trying to buy a Mandarin's rings, but it's like, wait, how does this fit? Or is this different than the 10 rings in Shang-Chi? And then uh, someone else shows up that's like trying to get the rings. And there's this like big kind of clash with Tony and this, this character, which seemed out of character. And yeah, I'm just... It, I I was, may, it hasn't been that long since we've seen this character, and I'm just like, what 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 happened? So I don't, I don't know. Midnight Suns issue two. uh I was what I didn't like about this is so Doctor Doom is like attacking the Strange Academy, and you know he he's after he's you know there was this vision that that happened and you know they want to go after uh chloe i think that was who it was so she's kind of being protected and dr doom is basically attacking everyone and and this is like overpowered mystical uber dr doom which is like how can he take on all these characters is like ridiculous and and everything so there's some some cool moments and and all that but it's just like what so yeah so (laughs) then there's moon knight issue 16 I'm starting to feel like this vampire story has been going on, you know, and it hasn't been the entire 16 issues, but you know, from the first issue, uh, Moon Knight's been trying to take out this uh, like pyramid plan, pyramid scheme, vampire organization. And, you know, he's made some enemies with, with them. And uh, so he's trying to seek things out. Um, Something kind of crazy happens to one of the supporting characters on the last page. I was like, Oh crap! Um, are you serious? That's what you're gonna do, this character. So yeah, um, I kind of skimmed through Predator Issue Three. You know, so we have this this girl. She's an adult now, but you know, her, her. I believe her family was killed when she was little by Predator. So she's been wanting wanting to get revenge against them. And and coincidentally, I think she may have run across the same Predator. But she ends up facing it and things might not go too well. Then there's Shang-Chi and uh, the Ten Rings, issue four. So, uh, let's see. The game of rings start here. Shang-Chi must compete in a martial arts tournament against some of his deadliest foe. The winning prize, the Ten Rings. But who has staged the contest? And does Shang-Chi truly want to win? So basically, you know, Shang-Chi's had the rings. He's trying to protect them and everything. But then someone comes like, oh, you know, you haven't earned a right to these rings, and you know they must be fought over, and whoever wins gets the rings type of thing. So, it started out the the some of the people like invite and you're in, they're invited to this competition, but they don't really have a choice type of thing. It's like they're you're like, oh, you're gonna do this, but all these characters like like I haven't heard, I don't know these characters, and maybe it's just a lack of knowledge on my part. But it's like, couldn't you get some other characters? You, maybe they all have deep histories with Shang-Chi because I haven't read a lot of Shang-Chi comics, you know, Master of Kung Fu or whatever. So it's just a little weird for me. Uh, Star Wars Darth Vader issue 28. There's more uh, on like what's what's happening with uh, Sabe, the Padme's handmaiden. And uh, you know, she's been working with Darth Vader and some of the stuff that has happened lately, it, it turns out that the Emperor has been kind of working against Darth Vader. So, is this going to put a, a, a kink into how Darth Vader perceives things? Because, you know, he's basically serving the Emperor. But is he? Is this the start? Because, as you know, if you've watched the movies, you know, he often says that like, to Luke, like you and I can take down the Emperor and we will rule the galaxy as father and son. And, you know, when I watch it I always wonder is like, is he serious or is this like part of a test to, you know, see if he can convince his son to join the dark side and and you know, and obviously you know how it goes, but I always thought that was kinda of interesting. And so maybe this plants the seeds or maybe there's something else is going on. Thor issue twenty eight. So we got Thor and Venom just like what the heck is going on? Some some crazy stuff happens, and uh, and there's some stuff with with Donald Blake, which I'm not crazy about. Because so Donald Blake, you know, he became this massive threat, this massive villain. He's being held. You know, Loki has him in this this place, and he's he's pretty much being tortured. But something bad may be happening, and if this is gonna. Like continue soon. I'm I'm not gonna be super crazy about this because I don't really care for Don Donald Blake as a villain. And if he this other things happens, he's gonna get like amped up and become a bigger problem. We'll see. Then there's X Force issue 33. So this is the Craven. I think didn't I just talk about the last issue last week? So. Craven's is hunting, and it's it's basically like the conclusion of him trying to kill all the mutants. And I just have issues with it—the fact that you know, Craven Hunter. Yes, he's he's an extremely formidable formidable character, but I don't feel like he can take on all of, some of these mutants. And uh, yeah, there's that. And then uh, X Men issue sixteen. This is continuing, uh, you know, Forge has this mission you know with the the that he's had with the quiet council and they're trying to get into the uh, what's that place that um doorway prison place where uh sink and x-23 were, were trapped for a while so you have the the children of the i forgot what they're called um but yeah so there's they're stuff with they're, they're so extremely overpowered and um and then there's, like, some tension between, like, Havoc and, and Cyclops. And it's like, man, it, some things are, are just a, a mess. And by mess, it's just, like, dysfunctional, like, is, is, is what I mean. So, yeah, so some some bad things happen here. Uh, but that, that's going to be it for, for the comics for this week. So some, we had some good comics. All right. House of the Dragon, Season 1, Episode 9, The Green Council. So I'm kind of, I'm starting to detect a uh, like a, a com a, a trend, which is like the issue that I kind of have with the show. Not really an issue, but as I watch this, yeah, you know, I, I get a little. I'm not really getting antsy, but it's it's like a lot of bad things are happening, and you know you have to have that in the show. You got to have you know the bad things mm-hmm. stuff piling up, something happening, the drama, everything, bad situations that just put it like a kind of like a sour taste in in your mouth, and. Then poosh, it kind of explodes at the end, and it's just like, holy crap. So a lot of times I'm watching this, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not quite like rolling my eyes, because like, I am enjoying the show. I, I think it's, it's very well done, and I'm really enjoying this a lot more. Eh, maybe? I think I'm enjoying this a lot more than, than uh Game of Thrones, because I, maybe I just never really gave Game of Thrones a, a, a chance. And I, I don't know. I feel like Game of Thrones, I feel like this uh, House of Dragons is a little more contained even though there's so many characters maybe there's not as many characters i don't know anyways maybe it's not fair to, to, to judge so with this episode let's just get to it uh we see some empty shots of the throne there's like the dining area the council room etc so it's just kind of quiet everywhere and it's like do do people know then you see this kid just like walks by himself he goes down to like the the workers area where all like the servants and, and stuff out are then he talks to some lady and she's like you're sure then you see the the queen sitting in bed she's crying and she tells uh, her servant her handmaiden whatever talia to stay there tell no one and but like she's the one that's been feeding the information right i'm pretty sure she's the one that we saw last week again i'm horrible at trying to keep all these characters straight there's not that many but uh, anyway so so Otto. at then he, she's talking to him it's like who knows and she says that her handmaiden talia and some of the servants She says that she saw him last night before he, then she's like, he told her that he wished Aegon to be king and Otto kind of like leans forward. And she says, it is a truth uttered from his own lips. And then, you know, he's like his last words to you and you were the only one to hear it and now he's dead. So we, then we see Talia lighting some candles in a room. So it's like, I don't know if there's any significance in that council meeting. Otto's like, the king is dead. And the council, they're all silent. Otto says, they grieve their leader and their friend, all this stuff. But he left them a gift with his last breath. He impressed upon the queen. She's there too. He impressed upon a queen his final wish that his son Aegon should succeed him as lord of the seven kingdoms. More silence. Then this one dude's like, then we may proceed now with the full assurance of his blessings on our long-laid plans. Otto's like, yes. So, I mean, this is like, wait a minute, what's going on here? Otto's like, there is much to be done as we've previously discussed. There are two among the city watch that remain loyal to Damon. Let us replace them. Lord Lannister says that the, the treasury is well in hand. The gold will be divided for safekeeping. Otto says to send ravens to their allies and river run and high garden. Then the queen interrupts. She's like, am I to understand that members of the small council have been planning secretly to install my son without me? And this one dude's like my queen, there was no need to sell you with darkling schemes. Then this, this dude Lyman, he's like, I will not have this to hear that you're plotting to replace the king's chosen heir with an imposter. And others, like, his firstborn son is hardly an imposter. And he's like, hundreds of lords and whatever knights swore fealty to the princess. And others, like, that was some 20 years ago. Most of them are now dead. And others, like, you heard the hand, plot or no, the king changed his mind. And the uh, Lyman, he's like, I am 6 and 70 years old. I have known Viserys longer than ever any who sit at this table and I will not believe that he said this on his deathbed alone with only the boy's mother as a witness this is seizure this is theft this is treason at the least it is and then mind your tongue Lyman he's like the king was well last night by all accounts which of you can swear that he died of his own accord and others like which of you are you uh, which of us are you accusing of regicide, Lord Beesbury, whether it was one of you or all of you, I cannot I will not have part of this then Kristen tells him to sit down forcibly shoves him down, and then his head smacks a table with a crack, and then there's like blood and he's dead, and a queen she she almost like face palms, whatever, and then Sir Harold Westero's Graham McTavish. I mean, I feel like I'm waiting for him to do something. He's, I mean, if you've seen him in Outlander, if you've seen him in anything else, I mean, I'm just like waiting for something to happen. So he uh, he draws his sword. Throw down your sword, remove your cloak, Sir Criston. Criston instead draws his sword. I do not like this Sir Criston guy. It's like, okay, you, you sleep with Princess Rhaenyra and then you decide that because she doesn't want to run off and live a life, uh, you know, whatever hiding from who who they are, their identities, he decides he wants to kill himself or whatever, and and then he decides to become the queen's personal servant or whatever. So he he draws his his sword, and then uh, Harold Wester, what, he's like he calmly says, "I am your lord commander, sir Kristan. Cast down your sword," and Kristen's like. I will not suffer insults to her grace, her grace, I will not suffer insults to her grace, the queen. Allison says, there was no insult to me. Put aside your blade. And then he obeys her. Harold asks, has it come to this? And Otto's like, Lord Commander, enough. This other dude's like, let us have Lord Beesbury removed. Otto's like, no, the door remains shut until we finish our business. And this guy, um, he's like, storm's end is a concern. They may, may not assume the loyalty of Lord Boros. So who are all these people? I don't know. But then he says that he has four daughters and all of them are unmarried. The right proposal, Alice is like, what of Rhaenyra? Otto says, the former heir cannot, of course, be allowed to remain free and draw support to her claim. Allison's like, you mean to imprison her? She and her family will be given opportunity to publicly swear obeisance to the new king. I think that was the word they said. Alison says, she will never bend the knee, nor will Damon, which you know. And then she like looks at the room. You plan to kill them. Harold looks around concerned as well. And there's like no response, no no denial or anything like that. Alison says, I'll hear a, a seed to this. Another says that, you know, her father is correct. Otto, a living challenger invites battle and bloodshed. Otto says, It is unsavory, yes, but a sacrifice we must make to secure Aegon's succession. And then there is Daemon to consider. The king wouldn't wish for any unsavory, but the king did not wish for for the murder of his daughter. He loved her. I will not have you deny this. This one guy says, and yet she says one more word and I'll have you removed from this chamber and sent to the wall. (laughs) So I kind of like Alicent sometimes. I mean, sometimes I think she's a little crazy. And, and by crazy I mean like you are so wrong. <laughs> and she's like standing now and there's like more silence. So this guy finally is like, What do you suggest, your grace? Otto says, Time is of the essence. And there's like a pause. Then Otto's like, Lord Commander Westerling, take your knights to Dragonstone, be quick and be clean. Harold looks at him, he pulls off his his cloak, sets it on a table. I am Lord Commander of the King's Guard. I recognize no authority but the king's. And until there is one, I have no place here. And he walks out. But it's like, it's so surprising that they would just let him leave and not like try to threaten him or anything like that. And Kristen, he's almost has like this smile on his face. It's like, I do not like that guy. I think I may have said that. So then, um, Aegon's wife, which I'm trying to remember, so Aegon's wife is actually his sister. That was to keep the, the bloodline pure or whatever, like that. So I think her name is Helena. So she's she's talking to her kids, you know, the nannies are reading whatever, and she's like, It is our fate, I think, to crave always what is given to another. If one possesses a thing, the other will take it away. Then Alison and Otto rush in. Alison's like, Where's Aegon? Helena's just like, not here. Otto's like, he's not in his rooms and and she just like looks down. So Otto leaves. Helena's like, what happened? Allison sits, and she's like, your father. Helena interrupts. She's like, there's a beast beneath the boards. I don't know what she meant by that. And then Eamon walks in. So Otto goes to this knight, Sir Eric. <laughs> so E-R-R-Y-K. He asks him, where's the prince? He's like, forgive me, I do not know. Otto's like, you are sworn to protect him. Eric." Um, he says that he exploits his authority to order him away and then he evades him. He believes that he may have left, um, the keep secretly. He then gone into the city. So Otto's like, find him, take only your brother. So his brother's name is Eric. So this is Eric and Eric. It's And they're supposedly twins. So E R R Y K and a R R. It's like, this is crazy so he's like take only your brother remove your white gloves none can know who you are or what you seek including the queen bring him to me and me alone sir eric it's not eric but i'm saying eric to keep him straight rainier uh or finds her door locked and she's like you know not she's like what is the meaning of this and then she looks outside there's like a lot of people kind of like walking in the streets or something like that then talia and other servants are are taken, like escorted and locked up. That Lord Larry's dude, the creepy dude, he's he's outside the cells watching. Allison is told by Kristen that Aegon is not to be found in the castle walls. Her father sent Sir Uric into the city to find him. She tells Kristen, I'm trusting your loyalty. Aegon must be found and must be brought to me. The very fate of the Seven Kingdoms depends on it. And then she whispers, everything you feel for me as your queen. It's like, what? And I still don't know. It's like, have they hooked up at all? I mean, he's got a track record, right? But I don't think he has. But So then he he says that he will not fail her. And Aemon says that he's like, I'll come with him. She say, says that that would be not her desire, but Sir Uric isn't the only one who knows uh, Aegon's doings. So Aemon takes Kristen to where Aegon took him when they were younger to learn the ways of the world, the ways with women or something like that. Eric, meanwhile, and his brother are out talking people. Kristen tells the lady who answers the door that they lost her drinking companion. She's like, well, describe him. And he's like, well, that is a delicate matter. And he whispers, we seek young Prince Aegon. She says, the uh, prince is not here. He has been here in years. His tastes are known to be less discriminating. So it's like, what's that mean? Otto talks to some people, says a king's... Uh, Wishes have changed. They once swore their banners to Rhaenyra. They must now pledge them to the future king. So a few people kneel, not, not even like half, just like very few. And there's not that many people. But then this one dude says that he's like, I must confer with my house first on this. He turns to leave and Otto's like, you will not leave this room without declaring your intention. The dude turns around. He's like, I am no oath breaker. I will not bend the knee. Then Otto steps closer. Anyone else? Others start kneeling, and clearly they're in fear. This lady says, House Fell keeps its sworn oath to the princess. And he's like, very well. The knights come, take them away, which is just like crap. The last dude kneels, long live the king, and Larry's is watching from above. Larry's is like everywhere, Creepsville. In the city, Eric and his brother are still looking around. This lady starts following them. Then they hear like some like crowd talking, stuff like that. So you see these kids are like thrown into this like, square sand pit. They're like forced to fight each other, and they're like 10 years old. Uh, someone comments how their nails and teeth are, are, are filed. Or maybe it was Eric. Eric was telling his brother. Or Eric, I don't know which one. Someone's saying that. So it makes it more formidable or something like that. So apparently Prince Aegon spends many a night in this place, and they're like, do you see now what he is? You've not seen everything, and he like nods to this little kid sitting in the corner. Aegon's one of many, I'd wager. There's a little like white-haired kid. So then uh, that last dude to kneel, he's like walking through the city, Like, like he goes to like this horse. But it's not like at the main gate or something like that. It's like he's going somewhere else. Aemon is complaining about looking for his brother, who never expressed interest in his birthright, and he's the one who reads, you know, gets into the politics, trains with the swords, rides with the largest dragon in the world. It is he who should be, and then he like cuts himself off. Eric and his brother are talking. Eric says Aegon's not fit to rule. Eric says that they they swore a duty to the death. And then that lady comes up to him asking for a moment or a time. they they think she's trying to sell doot do doot. And she's like, I can take you to Prince Aegon. So she says that she's been sent by one who knows where he is. She'll tell them for a price, but she'll trust you know the info with only the hand of the king. She's, you know, it's like no offense to, you know, you guys. erks like, that's impossible. She says that she thinks that he'll wish to hear what the white worm can tell him. So that last kneeling dude, you know, the gates are open. He's like on his horse and then he's told to halt and he's like pulled off, like forced, yanked off his horse. Otto is told by Larry's that he was likely off to warn the princess. So then uh, the dude says that the Lord confessor presumes he's talking about Larry's and he's like, I have no love for the princess. And Otto's like, well, where are you going in such urgency? And there's no answer. Then Otto's like, let the King's justice take him. So Otto tells Larry's you did well. And he comments that you know he's been spending a lot of time with, with the queen lately. Larry's like, there's no reason those hours shouldn't benefit you as well. So he's like scheming with with Otto also. King's body's wrapped up. Allison puts his his like crown on his chest, and you know she's got she said she's got tears. Rainice is visited by Allison. She says that she assumes there's good reason for the outrage of her treatment this morning. Allison says that despite or her deepest regrets and the lack of the ceremony. Rhaenys knows that it's because of the king. And she's like, and you're, you're usurping the throne. Alicent's like, it was my husband's dying wish. And she like scoffs. And she's like, believe it or no, it is no consequence. Aegon will be king. I came here to ask your support. She says that she must credit Alicent for her boldness. That Alicent says, House Valerian has long allied itself with Princess Rhaenyra. And what has it gained her? Your daughter dead? You're alone in Pentos, your son cuckold. Rhaenyra's heirs are none of yours. It is your husband who grasps so heedlessly for the throne, and even he has abandoned you. Gone these six long years to fight a desperate battle, returning grievously, if not mortally wounded, leaving, is he, where is he? Is he, how wounded is he? Leaving the lady of Driftmark to chart her course alone. Rainy says that the word of her house is not fickle, and Allison's like, no, but she more than any alive should understand what she says now. She's like, I loved my husband, but I will not speak the truth that we both know. So Renice, you know, she should have been queen. She says that they do not rule, but they may guide the men that do. So away from violence and strive for, for peace. Renise, she's like, let's go of Allison's hands. She's like, is it in the name of peace that you've imprisoned me? And what of my dragon? Allison says that they are overmatched. Um, Rainiera will be tempted to strike them. A war will ensue. Without Rhaenys' dragon, she may be persuaded to negotiate. If it's Driftmark she wants, she shall have it for her and her granddaughters to pass on as she sees fit. Rhaenys says that Allison is wiser than she believed her to be. Yet, she still serves a man her husband, her father, her son. She doesn't wish to be free. She makes a window in the wall of her prison, and she whispers, like, have you never imagined yourself on the Iron Throne? Allison just doesn't doesn't answer. She's just like, I'll leave you with your thoughts. She's like, ring the bell when you have an answer. Kristen and Amon see Otto meeting with, uh, so I th- I'm pretty sure it's Damon's ex, and he asks if she's the mysterious white worm or just another layer in the stinking onion. So she tells Otto that she's like, my condolences on the passing of your king. So basically she's showing that she knows what's going on. A pouch of of coins is placed on a table. She says that she thought the the princes in the flea bottom where no one is to be trusted he's safely tucked away she says that she wants an end to the savage use of the the children in the flea bottom they are forced to fight and worse he's like the gold cloaks take bribes given to them and then look away so it is ignored by the crown Otto says i'll look into it you have my word she says that when his plans ripen and he installs his grandson on the throne remember it was her who put him there she could have Killed him as easily as a wasp on fruit. So there is no power but what the people allow you to take. So he says that he will remember. Eric and Eric walk into this room like full of candles. They can hear like someone groaning. So Aegon's like under this like big dace thing, whatever. They drag him out and he's like, Oh, where's the white worm? They told, tell him that she sold him for a price and why have you paid it? He's like, I want my mother. And Eric says that his grandfather. The hand will meet him outside the city walls. Aegon like shoves him, tries to run. He's like, You flee what other men are seeking. So they they grab him, they drag him outside. Then Kirsten and Eamon pop up. Kirsten has his sword out. Uh, He's like, I do regret this, friend. Eric gets ready to draw his sword. So Aegon elbows elbows him so he can run. Eamon runs after him while Eric clashes his sword with Kirsten's. Um, And Eric is is not there. It's like, Where'd he go? He's like up somewhere else, just kind of watching. So Amon tackles Aegon. He says, "I was hoping you disappeared." And he's like, "Is our father truly dead?" And Amon's like, "Yes." And they're going to make you king. So Aegon spits in his like one eye. He tries to leave, but then Amon grabs him. Kristen knocks the sword out of Eric's hand. Where's your brother, A? Eh? So he's, again, he's just like watching. Aegon's yelling, Let me go. He's like, I have no wish to rule. i not, you know, no taste for duty. I am not suited. Eamon says, He's like, You'll get no argument from me. Aegon's like, Let me go. He's like, I'll find a ship and sail away, never to be found. Then Kristen comes up. The queen awaits. So Allison comes in, talks to her dad, and he's like, Well played. She says that this isn't a game. And he's like, yet you treat it as one. He says that, you know, they relied on each other all these years, and now it is the good of the family that they both desire. Whatever their differences, their hearts remain as one. She says that their hearts were never one. She sees that now. Rather, she's been a piece that he's moved about the board. And he says, if that's true... Then he made her queen of the seven kingdoms, which is kind of true because he's the one who kept saying, Go seek out the king, go, you know, help him, you know, mourn the loss of his wife. He's like, Would you have desired it otherwise? And she asked, How could I know? She wanted whatever he impressed upon her to want, and now the debt comes due, a debt he was happy enough to pay. He's like, a sacrifice, a sacrifice made for the stability of the realm. No king has ever lived that hasn't had to forfeit the lives of a few to protect the many, though he understands her squeamishness. She says, reluctance to murder is not a weakness. And she's like, I have Aegon, we will proceed now as I see fit. So we will send terms to Rhaenyra on Dragonstone, true terms such that she may accept without shame. Otto's like, if she lives, her allies will mass behind her banners looking for her return. Then she must not return. My husband would have desired this mercy to be shown to his daughter. He's like, your husband or you, his daughter's childhood companion. And she tries to ignore that. And then she's like, Kristen Cole will be named Lord Commander of of the king's guard my son will be anointed tomorrow at dawn the whole of king's landing must witness his ascent he will assume authority there will be no more dithering my son will take the crown of his namesake the conqueror and carry black fire his sword let the people remember the ancient strength of house targaryen Otto like looks at her you look so much like your mother in certain lights she just kind of like, scoffs and walks out and then he's like as you wish so she returns to her chamber and larry's is there he says that he's found he's found out something that she should know and he's like have you asked yourself i wonder how is it that your father the hand found Aegon first so she sits and takes off her shoes which is like weird and he's like there's a web and he's just like watching he's like there's a web of spies at red keep Along its threads travel news of all our doings. Your father knows this, but has left it in place. More than once, it has proved advantageous to those willing to feed the weaver. And she asks if the weaver watches her, and then she's like taking off her her stockings, and he's like still watching. One of the little spiders is your lady in waiting, and she's like Talia. So, and he's like mesmerized by her feet, which is okay, whatever. He says that. There are more like her. Even he doesn't know their number. So there is one way to destroy his advantage. It must be taken out at the head. When the queen dies, the bees fly without purpose. And he's like, sorry for the use of whatever the word. She says she assumes this task falls within his expertise. If you wish it, it will be done. So she turns to her like the side, and her feet are like up on on her like little couch thing she's sitting on. And then he starts he reaches like under his cloak and starts like touching himself so it's like he's staring at her feet i don't know is this part of the arrangement i i meant i was like i should look up like cuz i have no idea and i don't know if anyone's like commented on this ill <laughs> i mean sorry but ill cuz she's just I, I i'm pretty sure she's just like okay do what you got to do i um, do 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 i'm just going to look over here while you stare at my feet and uh, touch yourself. Aegon eats, Otto's staring out the window, Aemon's like sitting, Alice is, Everett is just like contemplating thinking, Rhaenyra is thinking, then Eric opens and enters Rhaenys's room. He says that he cannot let this treachery stand. So they walk, she's wearing a cloak, they stop, or she stops because she sees like that kneeling dude is like hanging, but then he's like, come on. So they, they come out this doorway and she's like, where are we? So he's like, just south of King's Way, uh, he's like, the black water is this way. But then someone set this building on fire. Then Renice, she doesn't want to leave her dragon. She wants to go to the dragon pit. And he's like, no, he's like, they'll expect you there. And then there's like all these people being like kind of herded in, in the, the streets. So they have to change directions to avoid whatever's going on. And then, you know, there's this other corner. There's more people coming. She gets like separated from him. So then there's a ceremony going on, this like, or about to happen, you know, it's new scrolls prepared, there's a crown, and it doesn't look as fancy as, as Viserys' crown, but it's the conqueror's whatever crown, so, Amon's in his carrier, Allison tells him, at least have the decency to look grateful. She's like, in an hour you'll be king. And he's like, my father never wanted this. She's like, that's not true. He's like, he had 20 years to name me heir, and he never did, and then, he is like, steadfastly, he upheld Rainier's claim. She says that he changed his mind and he like laughs. He's, and he's like, he could have, but never did because he didn't like me. And she's like, and yet with his final breath, he whispered to me that you should take his place on the throne. He like chuckles again. She opens a case with a dagger in near, And he's like, do not toy with me, mother. And she says that she speaks the truth. So he picks it up and she's like, listen, Your grandfather, the hand will try to impress on you that Rhaenyra should be put to the sword. You must reject this counsel. We must not rule with cruelty and callousness for all her faults. Rhaenyra is his sister and his father's daughter. Then he's like, do you love me? And she stares at him. You imbecile. Rhaenys is, is being herded towards, you know, whatever's going on. And then, uh, she, like, looks up at something and she kind of smiles. So, okay. Maybe she's, like, close to the dragon pit, so that's what she wanted. Otto announces the sad news that the king is dead, but it is also a joyous day as he, as um, whatever his spirit left them. He whispered his final wish that his firstborn son, Aegon, should succeed him. There's, like, a little pause and then some people applause. So knights come out. They form these, like, opposing lines. They draw their swords, you know, or they raise their swords up. Aegon, like, walks through them, and they, like, lower them as a pass as as he walks through. Otto keeps talking. How They're fortunate to witness a new day, a new king, blah, 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 stuff like that. So new king to lead them. Aegon walks up to the stairs, like, where his mom and Otto are. She kisses his forehead. Otto, like, has him kneel, whatever. Then this dude comes up with, like, holy water to do some stuff, whatever. Um, Courage and strength, whatever. Rainis sneaks away and she goes down some stairs. She's probably going to the dragon pit, right? The crown of the conqueror has you know, passed through generations placed on his head. Eamon and Larry's watch. Kristen says that he is a true heir to the Iron Throne. Some people are clearly not happy. Um, then he stands. Those up there bow their heads. All hail his grace. Aegon, second of his name. Blah, 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 blah. Aegon the king applause he stares out at everyone then he draws his sword and he raises it pumps it cheers he's doing it. so now I think he's kind of getting it Otto looks proud he's you know Aegon's like absorbing this p- new power he has Allison tries to this, this smile and then whoosh, like through the ground dragon plowing through people people are screaming out people are running they're trying to get out of there on his back is Renis the, the gates are being closed Otto's like open the gates open the doors And then uh, Allison steps forward like in front of Aegon and she closes her eyes. The dragon's like right there at the stairs. Dragon opens its mouth. (sighs) Whatever, the dragon scream. And then Rhaenys just looks at Allison, and then flies her dragon through the gate and then flies away. So she's basically like, "Uh, screw you. I don't agree to this. I'm not going to kill you, but screw you. And she flies away. And then she's going to, in the preview, she's going to go tell Rhaenyra about this. But man, when that dragon smashed through, uh, that was like the moment, the holy crap moment. And it's like each episode is just like, okay, here we go. Bad things happening, bad things happening. And so it was nuts. So uh, I believe there's just one more episode this season. So next week. So actually, by the time, no, I'm trying to think now when you listen no yeah when you listen to this episode the final episode will have aired so i'm a week behind Whew. okay then the patient season one episode nine auschwitz i was kind of bummed because i usually i've been watching these episodes like late monday night because normally they, they air tuesdays but hulu usually puts things up at like 9 9 p.m pacific which is like midnight They didn't do it this week. I'm like, oh, man. So I had to watch it on on Tuesday, which whatever, that's fine. So it starts off. We see Alan is walking outside a prison camp, and then he goes inside. He goes up to some guy named Victor, and he, like, tells him to wake up because he's having a nightmare. Then he's like, didn't you read my book? It said not to wake a person up. Then Alan kind of wakes with the start. Uh, He grabs, like, that near-empty toothpaste container on, on the side, and he goes back to, like, sharpening it on, like, the edge of the bed. With Charlie, he's like, it's sharper than it looks. And Charlie says that it's perfectly reasonable to want to end a session with the patient prematurely. Then he um, he's like, what about your dream? So Alan says it was uh, Victor, um, I forget his name. He, he mentions his book. He's like, you remember what, what he said? Like what, what he said not to do? Charlie says, reality is worse than a nightmare when you're in Auschwitz, don't wake him up. Then Alan says, I woke him up. And Charlie's like, well, maybe the dream is trying to say, the human spirit can prevail. You know, keep working, keep being a therapist. And like, how does it say that? Charlie's like, I don't know. So he gets up, he puts on his glasses, calls out to Sam. He's like, I know it's early, but there's things that we need to discuss. So Sam comes out, Alan says that they need to talk before Sam goes to work. Sam like stares at him. And Alan's like, I don't think you should see a new therapist. He's like, sometimes it's true, a patient needs to try somebody else but sometimes it's a way of running away I think that's what's happening here and I think we're making real progress it's like you are opening up more than you ever did before you're trying to contain your impulses even if we haven't found uh, anything that works yet he's like i know things are getting worse right now but it's part of the process i know it's, it's where the cliche comes from things get worse before they get better he's like i've come to care about you sam and as i always do with my patients you and i have developed a relationship no matter how strange a situation is that's the bottom line therapists and patients develop genuine feelings sam's like he just listens so he's like i know there are feelings but he's like i told you it's not working and i'm going to see mr buchella next week Alan says that, that well that still gives us a week. He's like, let's see, you know, what we can do and you know send you off in the best possible shape. Sam's like, I know what you're trying to do. And Alan's like, of course. He's like, I'm a human being. I don't want you to get another therapist and then kill me. Sam like, kind of lightly chuckles. Alan tells Sam that, you know, he can leave this room at any time. He you know, he's not chained to the floor, but he has some th- things to say. So he's gonna tell him about a man named Victor Victor Frankel, I think it was. He's like he was a psychiatrist in Austria in the 1930s and 40s. He survived a Nazi concentration camp. He wrote a book, "Man's Search for Meaning." The main point is that people need meaning in their lives, probably more than anything else. He thinks that there's a way for Sam to take his next step. The deepest place we can find meaning is in relationships. We all need to. F- Uh, friends and romance people to be close to for everyone. That's what fills us up. That's what makes life good to live. And without it, anyone can go to to dark places. Sam's like, he asked, he's like, like with Mary, his ex. But Sam says that when he was with her, he didn't feel any different. Alan says, but you're changing now. He's like, I bet if you had a girlfriend now, you'd be different. Sam says that for some reason, he's not great at meeting women. With Mary, because he's like, well, how'd you meet Mary? He's like, well, we went to high school together. We were friends, kind of. My mom went to her for physical therapy, and then my mom gave her my number. But Alan's like, well, when she called, you handled it. So maybe you're better than you think. Alan's, you know, he's like, what attracted you to Mary? And Sam's like, he's like, he doesn't know what to say or how to answer. He's like, can we not talk about Mary, please? He's like, why? So Sam sits. He's like, she didn't want the marriage to end, but... You know, she didn't know if I loved her, loved her, loved her. And he's saying like, you know, sometimes she didn't understand what he meant. You know, she complained all the time and she wasn't, I don't know. You know, maybe she didn't have enough meaning in her life. Cause you know, there's stuff with the, the, cause sometimes they would just talk about the kids that they were like, were sponsoring or something like that. But Alan's like, well, I, you know, I wish I could meet her. He's like, if I could see the two of you together, he's like, I could help figure out if this is the right direction for you to go in. And Alan's like, Mm, this will sound strange, but is there a way that I can meet her? He's, he's like, I mean, not in person, but, and then Sam's like, on the phone? And I was like, maybe, or, you know, maybe you could have her over for lunch or dinner upstairs and you could leave the door open and just talk loudly. Sam's like, that's a terrible idea. Then Alan says, well, you know, his daughter had a nanny cam and could see and hear everything. He's like, maybe you can get one of those and I could just watch and, you know, hear you interacting. Then he could give him his professional opinion. And Sam's like, that feels like would be not honest. And Alan agrees. He's like, you know, it's not normally good to spy on another person, but these are extraordinary circumstances. So then he's like, mom, can you come down here? So, So he says that he's inviting Mary over for brunch and she's like, what? You want Mary to come over? And Alan says that he was telling Sam that he needs to develop more relationships expand the meaning of his life. He explains his thinking, and then Sam's phone chimes, she's coming, tomorrow at 10. And mom's like, well, I always like Mary. So later, Alan's working on sharpening the tube. Then Charlie says that, he's like, you already got Elias killed. He's like, Yeah, it wasn't totally your fault, but Charlie says that he's like you're. He's gonna get the girl killed. He's like you're planning a hail mary with Mary. So Sam sets up the nanny cam and they like you know to test it out. Alan's like, what are you serving? And Sam says Indian, you know Indian food from this one restaurant. And Alan's like, does she like Indian? And he's like, no, not that much. Alan's like, "Mm, I would encourage you to think about what she might like to eat. He's like, you're the host and you want her to have a good time, right? He's like. Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. It's like, really? Then he's like, well, what do I say to her? And I was like, what did you, you know, you used to talk, right? He's like, just, do you, want, do you want to try some role play? You know, try to have a conversation. Then he's like, how, you know, try saying, how have you been? And he's like, how have you, how, you know, how have you been, what, are, you know, th- then he says like three times. And then, you know, then he's like, and I was like, how are you? He's like, pretty good, pretty good. I've been pretty good, pretty good. Then he's like, can I be Mary? So they try. Then he's you know, he's like, I don't want to do this. He gets up and then he's like, if he and Mary had a baby, he's like, would it be like like him? And Alan's like, no one knows how their kids are going to turn out. So later he's sitting in bed. He has a tube. He sits for a while. Then he, he tries doing like some push-ups. He only does like one or so. He's probably like so weak because he hasn't been doing it. All he's, he's chained, not just sitting in bed all the time. Next day, Sam serves her a salad from this one restaurant and. She, you know, that she's like, oh, I love it. She's like, you don't have to, you know, get me something special because they're still having Indian food. (laughs) Then he replies, well, you get gas when you eat Indian food. And then she just kind of like awkward looks at the mom and, you know, just just like silence. Alan's watching downstairs. He has the tube under his leg. Then Mary's like, oh, the salad is great. You know, after a while, then Sam says, starts the joke about the the Jew sentence to death with like the the English, whatever, the French, whatever, whatever. He's totally butchering it. Like he's like missing. and and. I don't even think they could have any idea what he's saying. They don't react when he gets to the end. So then he gets up. He's like, I'll be right back. He goes downstairs and you can hear as soon as he's gone, mom and Mary are talking like no problem. He's like, it's going bad. He's like, I don't know what to say. And I like, ask her a question. You know, how's it going at work? You know, whatever. And he kind of grabs a tube out in his hand. Mom and Mary are still talking. And Charlie's like, you're going to get that girl killed. Alan stares at him. And then Sam's like, I should get back up. Then he noticed he's like, you you don't like locks and bagels, and Alan's like, I'd rather have Indian. And Sam's like, okay. He's like, I might meet, need more advice. Then Alan puts uh, the the two back under his leg. So Sam goes back, sits down, you know, as they're under talk and they're talking, whatever. Then he's like, you know, how you how have you been doing at work lately? And she's like, good. He's like, you remember just what, what's her name? This one girl. It's like, she left, and they haven't replaced her yet. So I was like, I'm doing all all her work too. And he's like, are they going to replace her? She's like, they haven't even listed a position yet. He's like, so you're, you're just going to have to do her work? He's like, that's not fair. You know, and she's like, well, you know, what's fair? Then she says, uh, he's like, oh, you won't believe this, but I kind of missed a lazy boy. They, they kind of laugh. And he's like, oh, it's very comfortable. He's like, I, I could bring it back. And she's like, no, no, that's okay. She's like, I have other good chairs and a couch. The mom's like, that chair was his father's. A little silent. Then Sam's like, my father beat me up a lot when I was a kid. That's why I went into therapy. And Mary's just like, oh, then um, then she's like, my parents got a new cat. <laughs> and then uh, mom gets up and Mary's like, oh, I, I can help you with that. You know, I, I should probably get get going. And Alan's like thinking the room. He's he's in a room with Charlie and he's like stands up. He yells out to Mary. He's like, I'm Sam's prisoner. I'm down here. Call the police. But he doesn't actually say that. So you hear Sam. He offers to walk Mary to her car. Alan just gets up, put the, the tube back on a nightstand, and he sits back down in a chair. So Sam walks in through the basement patio door. He says Mary left. Uh, she said that she thinks it's good for exes to have friendly relationships, and she, think that she thinks that they should do this once a year. And Alan's like, what are you thinking? And he's like, Mary's not going to get back together with me. How does that make you feel? Bad, sad, Alan just like nods, and Sam's like, that was a mistake, her coming here. She's like, why did you have me do that? And I was like, no, that's wrong. That was a mistake. This was very important for you. To find meaningful relationships, it means taking risks and getting hurt, then taking another risk and getting hurt again until you find relationships that work. And that is exactly what life requires. He's like, I don't feel good. Yes. That's part of it. That pain is telling you something. You've been following it in the wrong direction, but now that you're getting to know yourself better, it will tell you where you need to go. I promise. It doesn't matter. I'm going to see Mr. Bucella next week. And what are you going to tell him? I'll tell him the same stuff I told you, but hopefully it works with him. And he's like, you know, in therapy, Sam, you can't push people. You have to let them come to their own insights in their own time. That being said, I would suggest and encourage you to talk to Mr. Bucella specifically about what your father did to you. I told you all about my father. It was the first thing I told you. That is true, but you had trouble giving me details. It was hard for you to tell me a really full story. And for you to go forward with Mr. Bucella or anyone, I think it's very important that you try to access those memories and those deeper feelings about him. I don't have any trouble accessing my memories or my feelings. I remember everything. You you, you think that I don't remember? I think about it all the time. I think about every time he hit me, every time he looked at me, the way he looked at me, the way he hated me. What, what the, f- and then he's like this, this Sam, what's happening right now, how you're feeling, when you get so angry that you hurt someone, that's a version of what's happening in this exact moment. And at the root of, it is your father, as we've discussed. It's not the people you hurt that you're mad at, it's him. So you you think that I kill people because of him? Almost instead of him. And Sam's like, oh, I get it. Sam goes into his room, gets his laptop. He says there's this guy named Edmund Kemper. He's like the one guy who he feels is like the only one what that knows or whatever. He's like, just watch this. He says it was springtime. It was April, and for two months he hadn't killed. And he, you know, he's said it's not going to happen to any more girls. It's got to stay between him and his mother. That was one week before he murdered his mother. So he said that she, she's got to die, or g- girls like that are going to die. And that's when he decided he's going to murder his mother. So this other dude, officer, or someone or like, or said that, like in this case, he probably publicly said it. He he said publicly it was his mother that he was killing all along. And when he killed his mother that was the end so the dude says that once she was dead there was almost a cathartic process at that point and sam's like he chopped off her head and, and he fudged her skull he closes the laptop he's like see Kemper said that everyone he killed he was just killing his mother over and over again he's like me too he's like it's the same for for him you know for me it's for like you know with his father and i was like i don't think that this He's like, you're the one who said I kill people instead of him. So if I kill him, I'll be done. I won't have to kill any other people. And if there's one person, one person who needs to get what he deserves, it's that piece of poop. He's like, Sam. Sam's like, this is good. He's like, I I feel like I finally know what I have to do. And I was like, we should keep talking. I'm going to kill my father. I'm going to cut his head off and fudge his skull. And then he opens the door. Then he's like, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to fudge his skull. And then fade to black. Okay, one more episode. Is he going to kill his dad, or is how's Alan going to get out? Is Alan going to try slashing? It? Is he going to be able to do anything? We'll find out next week. All right, now Chucky, season two, episode three, Hail Mary. So I, this was, it's an interest. I I really enjoy this show, and this this episode is pushing things forward. One of the things that's kind of interesting is last week, you know, we had some stuff with Tiffany, with Jennifer Tilly and with Nika. And then it kind of left off where Glenn and Glenda, the twins were supposed to be coming now. So as I mentioned last week, I haven't seen all the Chucky movies. I've never seen, I don't think I ever saw bride of Chucky and I definitely didn't see seed of Chucky. I looked up a little bit. It's like, who's Glenn and Glenda. So I I did kind of cheat and I, I read a little bit about, about that. I need to I need to watch those movies sometime. and um, if I have the time, I don't think that's going to happen this week. But I, I feel like I owe it to myself because I, I enjoy the Chucky movies, and, and yeah, they haven't all been great. But I'm really curious. So there's no Glenn and Glenda this week, so I still have time, in theory, to, to to figure that out. We'll we'll see if that happens. So this week focuses more just on the kids at the school and with this Chucky that they've captured. And um, it's really kind of interesting what happens. So it starts off. Father Bryce asks Jake again in, in his office, like, "Where's the doll?" Because Jake was locked up in his office, for, you know, for punishment with the doll. And then when he came back, the doll's gone. So it's like, what happened to him? And Jake's like, "I don't know." So he still says he has no idea. And Bryce is like, "Well, you know, three days ago you were locked in here alone with the doll, and it went missing. So he's then he's like, it would be easy to punish him or something like that. Then he's like, he could put Trevor." like monitoring the ha- the halls or something like that. There's like a hall monitor or something like that. I didn't quite catch that. And he's, you know, they're like, we could tear this place apart until, you know, we, we find it. But he's like, I'm not gonna do that. And he's like, you're not? So basically Father Bryce says, this is like a learning moment for, for Jake. So it's an opportunity for him to do the right thing. And it's also, to, to, you know, cause he wants him to, to know how it feels to confess his sins. And he wants Jake to choose the right path. He's like, but I'm not gonna wait long. So he's basically like, I'm gonna give you time to do the right thing, but I'm not waiting forever so then chucky is still tied to the chair upstairs devin lexi and nadine are up there just like watching him jake asks lexi if she found anything out yet and you know she's looking on the phone that chucky had she's like it's just a a bunch of weird selfies and she's like the angles are all wrong and then there's just only one name in, in the contacts the colonel so they're not sure what to do he hasn't talked in days and um Then Lexi kind of turns around she's starting to get to shakes from, I guess she's not taking the pills all the time because she only has so many. Devin then pulls out Chucky's knife and, and, um, you know, Jake's asks Chucky's like, what are you doing here? So Devin's like, why are you taking pictures of us? And Lexi, you know, she's got her back turned. She opens her like pill container. She only has like half a pill left. So they they pull down Chucky's gag and he's like, ha, because basically they have no choice. So Devin starts, uh, pushing a knife into like Chucky's finger, like under where his nail would be or something like that. It's bleeding a bit. And then he starts laughing and Jake's like, the sick fudge is enjoying it. And Devin's like, we should just kill him before he kills us. Jake's like, we need to find out what he knows. And uh, Jake grabs Chucky's hair. He puts a knife like right in front of his eye. He's like, last chance. He's like, how many of you are there? And Chucky's like, you know, if you're going to pull my hair, at least tell me I'm pretty. So he's not helping. In their uh, re- religious history class, with that, I think her name's Sister Catherine, and she's talking about Dolly's depiction of Jesus because there's a picture of him like crucified, but it's like from above. It's supposed to be the perspective of God Himself or something like that. The bell rings and she talks to Jake and you know she's like, "Oh, what'd you think of that one?" and it's like that. And she's like, "How's Devin?" Because I guess you know he was he said that he was sick, so he could stay with Chucky, so he, they kind of faked it. Then she starts saying some stuff about guilt and you know making yourself sick. And that Jake can talk to her about about anything, and so it's, she thinks that he's overcome with guilt. So you know, does he want to talk about what happened to his father, foster brother? And he's like, well, I don't know if I can ever forgive myself because obviously, you know, Jake does have a lot of guilt about everything. You know, he blames himself because he bought Chucky at that yard sale. She says that sometimes to forgive ourselves, we have to forgive those who have sinned against us. So he's like, mm, okay. Lexi breaks the pill in half and she takes it. And then Trevor's behind her. He's like, Alexandra, there you are. And he's like, oh, what's that? And he gets like real close to the pill bottle. She puts it away. She's like, oh, I have allergies. She's like, I'm allergic to hay, pet dander, and nosy people. He's like, oh, oh, that's funny. He's like, you know what else is funny? He's like, students are supposed to have medication. They're supposed to be in their infirmary. And then he's like, "Oh, I saw your mom's name on it." He's like, "You know, maybe you should call them the mayor, or I should say, the ex-mayor, because she just, you know, she lost the election." Is he's like, and she's like, "What she did?" He's like, "Yeah, I, I was crushed too when I heard that." But you know, you really should be careful with, with drugs. If someone thought that you were using, you could be stuck here until you were eighteen, just like me. And then she's like, "Thanks for the warning." And he's like, she goes up the stairs, she's like, "Have a blessed day." So even though, so Trevor was supposed to be like this big bully scumbag when, when she was younger and he's acting like he's all nice and everything he's not yeah I mean he's he's clearly showing signs that he's a big big jerko Devin's sitting with Chucky like holding the knife and Chucky's like struggling you know trying to talk and everything so he finally pulls on the gag and Chucky's like you didn't have any clean socks because they gagged him with the socks and Devin's like don't worry you won't be a problem for much longer Chucky keeps taunting him and stuff like that, saying that, you know, he doesn't have what he takes. He's like, I'm like the MVP of serious murders. I've killed more people than you have insta followers. And Devin just, he's like, shut up. So then he goes a gag him. Chucky's like, tries biting him. He's like, You think you can fudge with me? I killed your mother. I even killed my own mother. And Devin grabs a knife. He's about to stab him, and Jake walks in like just in time to stop him. And Devin's like, we need to talk. So Nadine goes to the chapel. There's this other father there and he's like oh god grant me mercy cuz she just like talks on and on she's like we really need to talk and she's like it should only take like 20 30 minutes top she's like why don't we say like 45 and he's like you know he's like well i i have to leave right now then she's like well how about tomorrow he's like well, you know perhaps you should try praying but she's like what about my soul and you know confession and all that he's like okay i'll see you tomorrow Devin says to Jake that you know Chucky's not going to tell him anything. He's like, "You can't torture a sadist." You know, he's like, "We would have to brainwash him," you know, to try to get him to, to change you know, the way he is. And Jake's like, "Why don't we try that?" Because he mentioned something that Devin did or talked about on a podcast or something like that. So they're like, "Okay, you know, we we can try it tonight." Later, Lexi and Nadine come in. Lexi says that it was one of her top five worst days, and she's like, "Trevor's a psycho." But Jake and Devin they're not even listening to her. So she just like stops talking. So it, it seems kind of crappy. They're supposed to be like really good friends because of everything they've gone through. You know, they didn't like each other in the beginning, but it's like, and each one is going through their own thing, but no one is like talking to each other. And I guess they're kids and it's not like they're gonna be sharing their feelings, but you know, obviously Devin's got to be dealing, he's looking at Chuck. He's like, this doll killed his mom. And you know, jake you know this doll killed his dad and like all these people and you know all, so it's like and lexi you know the doll killed her dad and you know, so i think they need to talk they start the torture thing you know they they have they're in stage one sensory overload so they put like bobby pins in his eyes keep them open and then they have like a like a camcorder or something like taped to a chair and they're going to show him like all these like really like gruesome videos and stuff like that he starts laughing he's like hey, it's like past the popcorn and then they, they put some drops in his eyes. I don't know what they were. they like, he's like, no, no, not the drops. And then they're like, you know, turning a light on and off on his, his his face. The video's still playing. A lot of time passes. And then eventually ch- bleh, Chucky throws up all over like the, the screen, everything like that. And Devin's like, okay, he's ready for stage two. So now he's watching like unicorn and teddy bear videos and stuff like that. He throws up right away. But then you know he has to keep watching. It's morning. Uh, Jake's like the only one awake. The battery in the camera is like starts flashing because it's gonna die. So Jake removes the bobby pins from Chucky's eyes, and then he's like, "Hey, he's like, I like to be hugged. Hi, I, I I'm Chucky. Want to want to play?" So he's like, "It's his voice is a lot friendlier." Then he's like, "Hi, who are you guys?" And Jake's like, "Why are you at the school? I don't know." And he's like, "How many Chucky's are there? I I don't know." Lexi says, "He's like." We didn't brainwash him. We brain bleached him. Jake thinks that he just needs more time since it was a lot. Devin's like, no, he's he's playing us. And then Chucky like leaps at their feet and they like freak out and he ties Jake foots. He's like, there, that's better. They're like, Who untied you? Chucky's like, Well, the ropes came loose during my little pony, but I didn't want to bother anyone. And then he's like, I'm hungry. So Nadine sweetly says, it's like, oh, it's probably from all the throw up and everything. And Devin's like, that's it. He's like, I'm done. So he just like leaves the room. Jake goes after him. Then Lexi's like, I I can't stay. Nadine's like, well, I can. She's like, I'm a really good babysitter. Jake's like, I don't know. She's like, I also took four years of Krav Maga. And and I have this bitching knife, Chucky's knife. Jake's like, who are you? So Jake tries talking to Devin. Devin's like, you know, we're only safe if he's chopped up and burned, you know, chopped into little pieces and burned. Jake's like, well, maybe we've changed him. You know, he's like, I need this. And he talks about the guilt that he's feeling when, you know, everyone that's died, is all his fault. So he really wants to forgive himself, but he has to forgive Chucky first. Devin's like, it's a mistake. And then Jake asks Devin to promise not to do anything to Chucky. So he's like, all right, I promise. They hug and then they kiss and Father Bryce sees them. So it's like, oh, how's he going to react to this? Lexi goes to the infirmary. She, like, walks in, and then she sees, like, this little medicine cabinet thing. So she walks right there, but, like, kind of, like, behind the door, like, making some beds up is Sister Ruth. So she doesn't see her. She tries, like, the, the medicine cabinet's, like, locked. And then Sister Ruth's like, can I help you? And she's like, oh. She's like, I have a headache. I was wondering, you know, if I could get some aspirin or something like that. So, and then, you know, she's like, oh, I suppose we could. And Lexi's kind of, like, breathing heavy from from all the drugs. and just seeing they're so close and all that. So then in the hall, she sees Trevor and he's like, oh, he's like, I'm worried about you. You know, after all our talk, you know, yesterday and now you're scoping out the infirmary. And she's like, what do you want? He's like, I want to help you. She's like, I've learned so much in here. Thanks to you and your mom. You know, he talks about putting faith in higher power. and He's like, I'm the higher power. Then she's like, I'm sorry for my part in sending you here. She's like, I've been a bully too. So she mentions like the insecurity and the fear and how you take it out on everyone else. She's like, but I'm not like that anymore. And you know, you don't have to be anymore t- either. So he's like scoffs. Then he's like, Oh, who's preaching now? And he's like, if you think it's bad now, wait until you mess up. And his sister walks out of his room down the hall, and Lexi loudly like, she's like, No, Trevor, I don't know where you can get condoms. And she's like, Trevor, whatever. You know, she says, and she like runs up to him. And she's like, see you later. So then another delivery truck pulls up. He, the driver comes out with another like big doll-shaped package. Bryce is still out in the hall. Devin walks out of a room, and he, he calls to him. He's like, oh, I thought you were sick. He's like, you know, you shouldn't be out of bed. And Devin's like, oh, I, you know, I think it was just something I ate. He's like, you know, maybe I will go back to bed. And Bryce is like, or maybe the feeling is biological, or maybe it's more philosophical. He talks about guilt manifesting. So he's like, come with me to the chapel. And he's like, and fix your tie and tuck in your shirt. So Nadine talks on and on to Chucky about her life. She's an only child. She has this cat and everything. And Chucky's like, wow, Mr. Pasta sounds genuinely cool. Jake brings Chucky an apple. And Nadine thinks it's cute watching him eat. Lexi's like, you know, just come down. It's Chucky. He takes another bite. He's like, mmm, this is tasty. And Lexi's like, yeah, that was cute. So Jake has to go to class. Nadine has class too. And, and Lexi doesn't want to stay. But Jake's like, come on, you know, you have to do this. You know, we're, we're a team here. So she's like, okay, fine. But she's just like really creeped out by Chucky. And plus, she's got, you know, she's dealing with all the drugs. She's just so unfocused. So Jake was walking to class. He sees Devin in the chapel, like, polishing some, like, the brass things or whatever. So he's like, Father Bryce gave me a hard time until Chucky's return. And Jake's like, that's BS. That's not fair. He's, he's like, I'm going to fix this. And Devin's like, he, he says that, you know, Jake's not the only one suffering or whatever. Because, you know, he's dealing with stuff, too. Chucky's humming. And then he asks Lexi, Lexi he's like, where do dowels come from? And she's like, ah, that's a good question. What's your favorite class? And she's like, napping how did you get your hair so shiny? And she's like, it's conditioner. Do you have a cat? Absolutely not. Do you have a boyfriend? And that kind of catches Lexi off guard. And she's like, I had a boyfriend once. Was he nice? What was his name? She's like, Junior. He was the sweetest. Not really. (laughs) Chucky says that, he's like, oh, I like that name. And he's just like, Junior, 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 Junior. Just like repeating it. Then she just gets up. And Chucky's like, where are you going? And she like walks out of the room. So Nadine now is in confessional. She's talking about her roommate, you know, Lexi's awesome, but she thinks she's addicted to drugs. She's like, actually, I know it. She's like, you know, my mom was addicted and, and, you know, Lexi's showing all the signs. You know, she's so cool. She's like, have you seen her hair? It's so shiny. Then she mentions a doll. It's like, Chucky, he's alive. The father is just like kind of rolling his eyes, not really listening. He's like drinking from a flask. And then, uh, you know, when she starts talking about Chucky, Chucky pops up behind him the father with like a rosary beads and he starts choking him. He's like, chokes him so much and then a the bead snapping like a fallout. And Nadine's like, are you okay? And Chucky's like, yes, my child. And then she's like, okay, well, you know, what should my atonement or whatever be? And he's like, how about 400 hail Marys? So then Lexi, she can barely breathe. And you know, she's sitting in, in a bathroom stall. Like she's holding the pill container and uh, Nadine walks through the halls and she's like saying, you know, her Hail Marys. Devin's still polishing. Lexi opens a pill bottle. So she's got that one left left in there, but she's like, you know, trying to open it, but she's just like so shaky and everything like that. So of course, the pill falls out. There's a little drain right, right by it, you know, in their stall, and the pill goes down there. And she's like, no. Nadine goes into the room where Chucky was, but he's not there. Lexi's not there. She, she doesn't know what's going on. Then Sister Catherine is talking to Bryce in like it's staff, you know, faculty room or whatever. So she's she thinks that punishing an innocent kid is sending the wrong message. And he's like, like, oh, you know, he asks if she knew about Jake and and Devin, and she's like, you know what I mean. And she's like, do I? And then Jake comes in. He's like, you can't do this. He's like, Devin hasn't done anything wrong. And he's just like, oh, whatever. He's like, maybe you should talk to you know Sister Catherine. What, what is something? I don't forget what he said. So then Nadine goes in the bathroom. She's looking for Lexi. She's like, if you want to talk or not talk about it, she's like, I'm here. Lexi's kind of like sobbing lightly and she comes out of the stall She says that this is just a bad day. You know, it's a a lot of bad days. You know, she's doing her best to keep it together because that's what's expected of her. You know, cool, chill, funny, exceptionally good looking and well-dressed Lexi. But inside she's drowning. And she's like, I hate when Jake and Devin fight. She's like, I hate that my mom can't be normal. She's like, and I hate Trevor and his dumbass face. And I hate this, that fudging doll. Nadine's like, well, I'm sorry about today. She's like, I wish, you know, all days could be great. It sucks that they can't. It's it's I know it's, you know, it's not realistic to think otherwise. She's like, I know I can't fix anything, but you know, I I can be your friend and, you know, good friends can get through anything. And Lexi like, no, nah. she's and she's like, yeah, she's like, now you're stuck with me. And then Nadine's like, do you want to get out of here? She's like, I have a stash of Oreos, and no one can be sad eating Oreos. Lexi's like, yeah. She's like, but you know, can we stay in here a bit longer? She's like, I don't want to you know, face the world just yet. So, and they just like hold hands. So it was, it was a sweet moment. In Bryce's office, he sees the Chucky doll. He's like sitting on his desk. He's like, oh, they brought back. So he closes the door, you know, locks it. Goes to the chapel. Good job, Mr. Evans. And Devin's like, oh, yeah, sure. And Bryce is like, you're free to go. And he's like, I hope you learned a valuable lesson today. And Devin's like, what do you mean? And Bryce is like, Jake returned the doll. So Trevor knocks on Nadine and Lexi's door. He walks in when no one answers. He starts like looking around, he opens a desk drawer. He puts some drugs in there. I guess he he's gonna frame Lexi. And then the door opens and you just see a shadow and like Chucky cackles. And he's like, uh, uh. and then somehow they don't really show it, but Chucky apparently runs, jumps, Punches him in the face, sends him flying. It's like, wait, what? A little Chucky, how can he like punch him out? And there's like blood from his nose. And then, you know, uh, Trevor gets up and then whoosh, he ch- he punches a hole in Trevor's chest. So it's like, how is Chucky so friggin' strong? Suddenly we'll, f- we'll find out. <laughs> Lexi and Nadine, they go into the room, they see Trevor's body and they're in shock. So, and then Jake and Devin walk in and Devin's like, he asks Jake, he's like, where's Chucky? He's like, did you give him to Father Bryce? And Jake's like, no. He's like, I left him with Lexi. And then Devin yells at Lexi, you took your eyes off a killer doll? It's like, dude, she's dealing with some things just like you're dealing with stuff. She's like, I locked the door so he couldn't get out. Nadine wonders, like, why was Trevor in here? And then you hear, inspection. So there's a, a sister, it might be Sister Ruth, and just doing, looking at, at all the rooms. Mm-hmm. So they, they take... Trevor's body, luckily it's just like on a rug or whatever. So they kind of drag him into the closet and then Nadine's like, you're not supposed to be in here. So they lock, uh, they close the, the door with Jake and uh, Devin in there. And then there's still like blood smeared on the floor. So they put like a blanket on there and grab a bunch of like, uh, stuffed animals, then Lexi sees, she looks into the drawer. She sees like the little bag of pills, or whatever. So she puts it in her pocket, Ruth opens the door. Lexi and Nadine are on the blank with stuff the stuffed animals. And then Nadine starts talking about stuff from class. She's like, oh, we were talking about this one thing. And it's not, and she's just going on and on. And Sister Ruth is just kind of she's like, this room is fine. And she, like, leaves. Then Devin storms out. And Jake's like, where are you going? Away from here. So it's like, okay. And Jake, he goes after him. He just kind of, like, looks at, at Lexi and Nadine. And he's just like, mm, and he goes after Devin. So it's like, okay, leave the girls to deal with the dead body. Because you need to go after your boyfriend because he's he's having a hissy fit about something. So then Chucky's talking about unicorns and being happy. He's sitting in Father Bryce's chair. Then the door opens and another Chucky opens the door. This Chucky has like pecs and like a six pack. You know, his his clothes is kind of ripped. So then there's two Chucky's now because a new one just came. So friendly Chucky, he's like... He's like, Jake, is that you? And Muscle Chucky's like, Jake's on my list. All right. He's like, and Devin and Lexi. And he's like, I don't usually eat cream puffs, but today's my cheat day. And he like, what? Which hits his hand. So I guess he's going to kill Friendly Chucky. So we got just like Muscle Chucky and Friendly Chucky. And Friendly Chucky's so nice. <laughs> I don't know if he's going to survive. And that's the end of the episode. So it was a good episode. And I. Yeah, I'm not sure what they're doing with this Glenn and Glenda and Tiffany stuff, but we'll I guess we'll find out next week. All right, then Stargirl, season three, episode seven, Frenemies, Chapter Seven, Infinity Inc, Part One. So I was like, oh, Infinity Inc. Interesting. It starts off Milwaukee, Wisconsin, the Ordway Home for Children. So six months ago, we see like we, we saw this last season. So Jenny leaves the the home. She's handed the tin with that has a ring in there or whatever. She's given advice not to try to be so perfect because it's not necessary for getting people to like you. Plus it's a little annoying. And then this lady closes the door. Jenny sits, opens up the the tin. There's a toy car inside. It says Todd written on the bottom. Then it cuts to civic city that same moment. So we see Todd's there with someone named Danny. They go, they like kind of broke into this restaurant and I guess Danny's going to make them dinner Cause uh, he's like, oh, it's just one night where we're not living like street rats. He's like, and it's your birthday, and I know how you get on your birthday. So Danny's gonna, you know, there's like some couple candles on a table, like a bottle of wine, I think, and then he's gonna go cook him something. So then there's a birthday card sitting on a table with his name on it, and then there's like a ticket to go to Milwaukee. It's so probably like for a bus or something like that. And he wrote a note. He's like, like, oh, happy birthday, you know, to you and your sisters. Like, you know, I know we're gonna find her. He's like, I love you, or something like that. So then. It cuts back to Jenny. She finds dad's ring, Alan Scott's ring in the tin. And uh, at the re- so this is happening at the same time. The, the candles go out where Todd's sitting at. Jenny's eyes go green. So do Todd's. The ring lights up, starts like floating around, and it goes onto her hand. Fly- Todd falls on the floor, and his eyes are glowing. And then we get a flashback to them as kids. You know, they're like holding hands. or getting pulled apart because they're getting separated to go their separate ways or whatever. And then a bunch of black smoke tendrils fly out of Todd. Then you know there's like all this crashing noise, sirens are somehow someone heard. About, I don't know why the police, how they heard about this. So sirens and police are lights are outside. Then Danny or Todd tells Danny to go. He's like, don't, don't worry, just just go. Police enter. They find Todd, and so Todd just looks up. He's like sweaty from you know just dealing with all it, and he's like, table for two because being the Joker, or whatever. And then they're like, that's him. And then they're like, are you Todd Rice? He's like, how do you know my name? So the cop car pulls up to this big house. So it's the lady from the Helix Institute that we saw last season. She was like working for Mr. Bones, the guy with the skeleton head. (laughs) And then she tells the, the police officers that her payment will be coming, whatever. And she's like, oh, it's such a pleasure to meet you, Mr. Rice or something, you know, to Todd. She says that she's Nurse Love. She's like, oh, you're safe here. She's like, And then once they're inside, she's like, oh, would you like some food? She's like, are you hungry? And she's like, oh, and happy birthday. And he's like, how do you know it's my birthday? She's like, well, you're 18 now. And she's like, Helix is a, a place for people like you, you know, troubled youth, special youth. She's like, you know, your, your father was a man named Alan Scott. And he's like, yeah. And she, she's like, well, what else do you know? Because you know, she's like, while he lived, he was a wielder of great power. He was a green lantern. And then Mr. Bones pops out, which I think would freak anyone out. <laughs> but then he's like, this is a place for hope. He's like, he's like, I understand what it's like to be different, but different can be good. So it's like, really? And then it cuts to Blue Valley, Nebraska today at Pat and Barb's. They're all sitting at the dinner table. They're acting like everything's normal because they know about the cameras. So they're having dinner. And Pat's like, Michael, would you like some chicken? And he's like, please, Father. <laughs> and Barb has like a big smile. Sylvester's like talking to him on the comms. He's like, oh, you're laying it on kind of thick. Cause he's like, would you like a, a breast or would you like a wing? And like, you know, all this stuff like that. And then uh, Courtney asked mom, she, she's like, how was work? And she's like, it was fine. How was school? Oh, she's like, boring as usual. And then so like, see? Courtney and Barbara natural. So Sylvester's like, Beth needs 10 more minutes. Just, just you know, just act natural. And Pat asks Mike, could you, Mike, would you like to say Grace? And he's like, What? And he's like, never mind, I'll do it. So then Zeke, Rick, Jakim, they're at the garage. They're playing a uh, Trouble, you know, the the little put the pieces in the puzzle before the timer goes up. They have other games, they're drinking lemonade. Yolanda's at the diner, her mom calls. Oh, you're, cause she, she called Maria. Maria's like, oh, you, you have a, a call? It's something important? Then her mom's like, oh, you're actually there this time? And Yolanda's like, of course I am. And mom's like, I called Maria and told her not to schedule for so many late shifts. And Maria said, this was the first late shift you've had all month. What have you been doing all- at night, Yolanda? Who have you been with? And it's like, oh my God. So Beth is, she's trying to break through the Blue Valley power firewall because she's going to shut down all the power so then they can locate and destroy all the cameras so i guess they don't want to do it while the cameras are on i don't see what it matters but i guess to tip off any you know tip their hands or something like that so mom she tells yolanda she's like you're going straight to father tomorrow you know go straight to church she's like i don't to, but i want to know the truth right now and then she looks at her text at operation blackout bomb that's what beth called it or something like that is it's about to happen and she's like Yolanda's like, it's just a misunderstanding. She's like, I'll explain it all when I get home. So three, two, one, Beth turns off the power, goes out all over the city. Pat, Barbara, Courtney, and Mike, they all have flashlights, they pop up. So Beth doesn't know how long the power will be out, so they need to get moving. Uh, the guy watching them on the screens, he gets mad, slams his fist down Rex's wrecks his puzzle. It's like, well, that's what you get. Now you gotta start all over. Uh, Beth and Rick are in costumes. Uh, they're at school at the cafeteria. You know they they take out this camera. There's a there's a camera pointed at their table. So Rick punches you know the the wall, and then yanks out the little camera. And then she asks Rick. She's like, "You turn over to Hourglass just for that?" He's like, "Oh, I don't need it anymore." And then he's like, "Watch this." There's like a like a cement post, and he's like punches like part of it. And she's like, Whoa. "He's like, I have the power twenty four seven now." She's like, "And it's fun." Courtney and Pat are talking, so you know she says it's her fault that they're not getting along. You know her and the others. She kept camera stuff, you know, from uh, secrets from them. Now Cindy's gone. They don't even need her as a leader anymore. And Pat's like, well, you know, Starman isn't the one who recruited them or shaped them into who they are. And then like some black smoke appears. The shades there, so they're they're like in the basement, and the shades like Courtney Whitmore is like, you're just the person I need. And she's like, Oh, do you know about the cameras? He's like, If this is about Blue Valley, I no longer care. He's like, I need you. And she's like, Well, I don't have the, the staff. And, and you know, Starman does. He's like, oh, I don't need the staff. And he grabs grabs her and he starts like teleporting out and pass like boy and he like jumps in after him. So Yolanda, she goes into her house. So they have like device that like detects the cameras. And Sylvester is like talking to her in the comms, saying that, you know, oh, don't worry, you know, you and Courtney will work things out. It'll be fine and stuff like that. And she's like, you know, thanks, you know, whatever. Then her mom comes in. So sneaking in like you sneak out, if your father catches you, and she's, they're not they're talking Spanish. She's like, I wasn't sneaking in. And mom's like, what is it? Boys, drugs, worse? She's like, I wanna see your phone. And is like, no. And she's like, I haven't done anything wrong. And, and she's like, that's all I'll say. And she's like, if you love me, you'll trust me. Trust you after everything you've done. Give me your phone right this minute or get out of this house. So basically, her mom is mad at her because she had a boyfriend. She sent him a picture, like a nudie selfie or something like that. And then Cindy, being evil back then, posted You know, sent it out to everyone. And because everyone found out, so now her mom is mad at her even though she's the victim and give me the phone or get out of this house crazy so mike then he like opens the door to the basement he's like pat pat or or not pat he's like dad he's then he's like courtney they're not there shade courtney and pat appear like this kind of boiler room place or something like that pat's like where did you you know drag us to he's like oh i didn't drag you anywhere he's like you know you you jumped in he's like i'd send you right back if i could so his powers are kind of coming apart like an old suit, and the only one who can help him is so infuriating and vexing and blah blah. blah. So, so it's Jenny. So Jenny's there. She's like, I said that you should call him first. They just keep like bickering and stuff like that. And then Courtney asks Jenny, she's like, What's going on? She's like, I, I finally found my brother, and I and you know he needs your help. At the Helix Institute, Todd is like strapped to this table, and he's like convulsing and everything like that. There's like bright lights over him. So they ask Jenny, where's Todd? And she's like, upstairs. And Courtney's like, "Uh, where are we? So Jenny's like, we're at the Helix Institute. Courtney's like, but they said that he left. And she's like, well, they lied. So Shade explains for weeks when he was accessing the shadows, he was also accessing Emerald Light and it hurt. So their powers were entangled. And then he's like, and she can't control that ring. Jenny's like, well, my powers were corrupted by the shade's shadow, and now the darkness is leaking into it. He's like, no, no, no. He's like, your light is leaking into my shadows. So Pat's like, wait, wait. He's like, how did they get tangled up in the first place? So Jenny says it it was right before they defeated Eclipso when Beth and her found that black residue in the cafeteria. She thought that the ring destroyed it, but it actually, it entered the ring. So it connected the ring to the Shadowland, and Shade said that if they don't separate it, their conditions will get worse. And she says that if she can get control of her ring, then she can save Todd. And Shade says that, he's like, well, I don't care about that. <laughs> you don't care about any of that. He just wants his powers you know, to be fine and work. But it turns out that saving him might be what it takes, because Courtney talks about like when she defeated Eclipsos because she knew that she had to, it was, you know, so just like hope and doing the right thing and all this stuff like that. Mr. Bones is talking to, I think, Nurse Love. He's like, Oh, you know, Todd's condition is getting worse. Maybe we have to be more aggressive with the treatment before we lose control. And then the lights shining on him start getting brighter. At the garage, Jakim made a wish about a camera, like whatever, getting the camera. So a bunch of regular cameras show up, and like you know, old Polaroids and whatever. Zeke's like, oh, maybe it's a clue, you know, like like a board game. And Zeke's talking about that he learned how to play games and stuff like that. He he, he played Dungeons and Dragons with grandmother, and. And Jakeem's like, your, your grandmother? And he's like, yeah, she was a dungeon master champ in 1987, whatever. So he's saying that you know Jakeem has to want something with every fiber of his being for the wish to come true. So he can't just make a wish. He has to like really want it or whatever. But he doesn't try it out this time. Barb and Mike wonder where Courtney and Pat went. Then there's a knock on the door. So Yolanda's there, and she has like a bag. And she's like, I know Courtney and I aren't really speaking, but she's like, I don't have anywhere else to go. And she's like fighting the tears. So Barb pulls her into a hug. So it's another sweet moment. At the school, they go into the math room. Rick flings a desk across the room. And Beth's like, can you stop doing that? He's like, what? I needed a flex. Plus, that felt really good. So then he's like, where's the last camera? So Beth looks with her goggles. She sees this on the wall. So he's about to smash the wall when the power comes back on. So they're like, uh-oh. Then Rick turns to the camera. Whoever you are, we're coming from you. Punches it. Because He's cool at Helix. Shade, Courtney, uh, Jenny, and, and Pat walk upstairs. Shade starts to feel something. He's like, uh, Your brother's down there. He's like, I'm not sure how I know, but he can like feel him somehow. They get to like a security locked door. Courtney tells Jenny just to focus and breathe. And Jenny manages to light the ring up and like shoot a blast, but it hurts her in the shade. The door opens. They get to Todd's door. Shay tries opening it. Gets like zapped across the hall. Then Jenny sees her brother, and you know they they get in there. And he's like, "Wait, who are you?" And she's like, "I'm your sister, Jenny." And then Courtney's like, "Let's get him out of there. And he's like, "Like, no, no." He's like, "You can't. If you take me out of this room, I'll destroy the world." Jenny's like, "Well, I'm not leaving you here." So she grabs his arm, and then flashback again when they're separated. Their eyes both go green. Green electricity blasts. You know, sends everyone flying back in in the room. Todd turns into this big like shadow beast, and there's like shadow energy like kind of shooting out of him. Pat yells at Courtney. and he's like, "Look out!" He like jumps in front, and then he and Shade get zapped out. They, they wake up into like the shadow land, so they're like in the street. It's black and white. Other people are just like walking by, ignoring them. This car, <laughs> I don't understand this part. This car comes driving out, like er, 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 like speeding down, to, barreling down the road, honking a the horn. They have to like roll out of the way. Like doesn't even attempt to to stop or slow down. And that's the end of the episode. So Pat and Shade are trapped in the Shadowland, <laughs> and oh, we'll have to see what's going to happen. And then we have Star Wars Andor, Season One, Episode Seven, Announcement. Uh, this is just like the weirdest Star Wars show, and you know I have to admire it for being different. You know it is entertaining, and it's it's it is interesting to see. Because we're getting sort of like more focused, like the Empire stuff and just, and even like, like the birth of the rebellion and how things are starting up. So it is cool to see all these little intricate details. There's just not a whole lot happening. You know, it's just, it's, it is a slow burn. And so it's cool, but it's just like, oh man, these, and these episodes feel so long, but not necessarily like in a, in a, go. Like, oh, this is long and boring, but it's just, it's so, so such a bizarre feeling because it's not Star Wars. But like I said, that's good. It's not just the same thing over and over again. So it starts off Karn, he's just like staring out his window again, moping in his room. His mom calls him because I guess he he needs to eat his cereal or whatever he's eating. And she questions his choice of clothes because he's he's going to see the Bureau of Standards for an, an interview. So he's like, It's it's a brown suit. And you know, he, he then he comments that maybe she'd like to come along on the interview. And she's like, Well, you know, Uncle Harlow's influence is not a thing to be trifled with, because he arranged for this interview. He's like, It's just a brown suit. And then she comments on the, on the collar. She's like, it's high. He's like, you've had it raised. He's like, I had it tailored. And she's like, everything says something. Then he's like, okay, well, what is it that you hear my collar saying? And she's like, look at me. I don't believe in myself. I'm desperate for approval, which is all true. And then his attention is pulled to the news. There's this announcement of a terrorist attack at, at the Imperial Armory on Aldhani. So multiple fatalities. And He's like, what happened? So that part, to gas dude, he's talking to like all the whatever imperial people he says, the criminals think that they've taken the empire by surprise, but they know better. The real surprise will be when they discover how ready and eager they are to respond. The only question they need to answer is how tight to close their fist. This is why they prepare so much recruit carefully and demand so much. So he's like, the following measures will be adopted empire-wide as of today. A tribute tax equal to five times the amount stolen from Altani will be levied on any sector harboring Partesian activities. We will make it clear that no one steals from the empire. The use of any local custom festival or tradition as cover for rebel activity will trigger permanent revocation of imperial tolerance. So then then he's like, I spoke with Emperor Palpatine last night and he assured me that the ISB will be taking the lead going forward. It's like, okay, did you really talk to Palpatine? I I don't think so. He's like, no one in the room should have trouble accessing army or Navy resources in the future. The emperor will have an emergency session on the Senate to propose legislation package of bills and amendments that will free our hands in all matters of surveillance, search, and seizure. It's like, we'll be invoking the public order resentencing directive later today. All the fines and levies are to be paid in full. And Dedra's just, she's just sitting there listening. So it's like, okay, what what's what's going on in her mind? So she goes into like her little quarters, whatever, her aide, um, Heert is his name, and he's like, he says, like, you're you're not pleased? And she's like, they're playing, or we're playing straight into their hands. This is exactly what the rebels want. She says they're treating what happened like a robbery. You know, she would call it an announcement. So Luthen's listening on the radio. 134 Altani residents have been taken into custody. They're under suspicion of abetting the terrorists. And then, uh, so Mon Month is there, and quietly she's like, did you do this? And so then she's like, I was af- afraid you would, and Luther's laughs. He's like, how? he's like, how I wish I had. So they they act like they're looking at like some piece of art because you know her driver's outside, and you know she's says that you know she doesn't believe him, and he says that she'll have to try harder, and and she's like, don't you dare talk to me like that. He says that revolutions are expensive, you know, and she says she's doing everything that she can, and with a smile you know, because again the driver is, is outside. Then Luther's. Luthen says that her everything is bringing in a savior to access her family funds then she whispers like it was you wasn't it he says that he explained to her the risk of new faces but she seemed to know better then she asks if he realizes what he's done and he says that he thought she was there to tell him about the meeting and she's like that's tonight and they may reschedule so he asks what were his words when they started and he's like turning back will be impossible So he says that she knew where this was going, she's always known, So, and he holds up this artifact like he's showing it to her. He asks if anyone's ever made a weapon that wasn't used. He's like, the network's been built, it's up. It grows or dies. He's like, they've waited long enough. And she's like, Palpatine won't hesitate now. And he's like, exactly, he's like, they need it. They need the fear, need them to overreact. The empire has been choking them so slowly, they're starting not to notice. The time has come to force their hand. And she says that people will suffer. He's like, that's the plan. You're not angry with me. You, I'm, just like, I'm just saying what you already know. There will be no rules going forward. If you're not willing to risk your conscience, then surrender and be done with it. Then he says that they need every credit that they can get their hands on. So he's like, let him know, you know how, to, how the meeting goes. So then she smiles and says, I'm afraid I won't be taking either of these pieces this morning. So he laughs, and he's like, oh, I'll have some new things coming in very soon. And then so she goes out to her car, and Clayla comes out from the back, and she's like, I hope she's worth it. And he's like, we'll soon find out. It's like, they can't hide forever. Karn meets with a dude at the Bureau of Standards, and the dude's like, well, people don't believe it to be true, but there are no small jobs at the Bureau of Standards. And he says that he spoke with his uncle. Some sectors might naturally appear more exciting on the outside. Then he asks about... Morlano won, because he's looking at like his, his resume or something like that, and Carter's like, yes, there was a rebel murderer running free because of corruption and laxity in the corporate authority. He's like, I was punished for trying to uphold the law that just to do my job, you know, maintain public safety. Two men are dead, coworkers. So he believes they have laws for a reason. He fully intends to clear his name and have his record expunged. So the dude's like, well, why don't we start that process now? He looks at his file. And he's like, "It might be best to edit this first. He's like, "They just happen to have an immediate opening in the, the fuel purity." So then we see a woman with a red hood, like walking past others and like stormtroopers, whatever. And she sees a symbol on the floor. She turns on his hallway. So it's uh, Kayla. At first, I'm like, "Wait, who is this?" Because her hair is like was like down is different. So at first, I didn't recognize her. Dedra comes into this command room. She tells this Lieutenant, it was kind of like sleeping, whatever. She's like, I need a multi-sector data blend going back two years. It's like the survey pool is Imperial Naval bases and repair facilities. She's like, I want a record of all missing avionics, com, navigation and targeting equipment. And he's like, uh, for which star system? And she's like, all star systems. And then she's like, is that a problem? She's like, I'll need this report kept confidential and a copy sent exclusively to my office. Then we see Cinta. she uncovers like this old like air scooter or something like that. And she like looks up, sees like a Star Destroyer flying overhead. And then it's because a blockade had been set or at Altani. So it's like, how is she going to get out of here? Kayla, she's still walking and then she meets with Bell, Val, and Bell's like, where is he? Cause she thought that she was going to meet with Luthen. And Kayla's like, I shouldn't even be here. And Bell's like, well, the money is safe. And Kayla's like, yeah, we know it's been moved already. So it's like they're more concerned with the trawler, and Vel's like it's buried; it won't be found. So that's the ship that they took to, to leave the planet. Kayla says that he read her message, and Vel like scoffs, says that you know she really thought that he'd be here. And Kayla says that you know every loss is different; everyone's the same. She recruited Tamar and herself. You know Nemec and Gorn; they'll be remembered. And then she's like he had doubts about skiing, and that's just one less thing to worry about. Then Vel asks if she's heard from Cinta and Kayla says that she's doing what she was told. And then she's like receiving messages is just as dangerous as sending them. So bell should keep that in mind. Then she says that they have a loose end Cassian Andor, or, or who she knows as Clem. So bell needs to find him. They can't have him walking around with Luthen in his head. And bell's like, you mean to kill him? And Kayla's like, this is what a revolution looks like bell. And then she's like, they'll send her what, what they have on him. And then we see Cinta, she's like flying on the scooter thing. Cassian arrives back at his his home or at Marva's and B2 is there. He, he greets them and then she's like, You can't stay here. It's not safe. B2 EMO says that there are troopers now. And Cassian's like, that was fast. And Marva's like, they came the next day, took over the hotel. So Ferrex is under imperial authority. And then she's like, again, yeah. she's like, you shouldn't be here. And he's like, Well, someone turned me in. And she's like, You you don't know? He's like, no, what? And B2EMO says to Tim. Marva says, Tim Carlo turned him in. She's like, no point stewing over. Now, you know, he's dead. So the corpos killed him when they were coming after Cassian. And he's like, how do you know this? And she says, everyone knows. And then he's like, Bix knew about it. And she's like, no. She was coming to warn you and Tim was trying to stop her or catch her. She's like, I don't know, I have heard both. She's like, but you can't be her cass. The Imperials are here to stay. They're not going away this time. It's all come and done. And he's like, Oh, we don't have to worry about that. And he's like, We're getting out of here. And you know, she's like, to go where? He's like, anywhere we want. He's like, I got lucky. I scored. I got enough credits to go anywhere. He's like, we could leave tonight. And he's like, you know, why not? What else do we need to take but the three of us? He's like, you know, just get out of the cold and find s- somewhere warm and easy. Then when he's like, well, what's wrong? And she's like, oh, it's a lot to take in. And he's, you know, because he like surprised her. And then he's he's like, yeah, you know, I'm tired. She's like, it's it's late. He's like, you should rest. He's like, I'll I'll check up on Bix and, you know, we'll pull out first thing in the morning. So Mon is at like a fancy event there's a party at her place or something like that 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 her husband arranged she talks to this one dude so i think they're like from the same place and he comments how you know he couldn't stand living like this in her place on coruscant no escape you know just this glimpse of what it's like to be here you know what she has to do and she's like yeah it can be challenging and he says that well she carries it gracefully then she asks so her friend's name is tay tay colma she's like can i trust you and then he's like what do you mean and her daughter Lita interrupts. So she's like, because she's like, oh, they met before or something like that. And she doesn't remember him. And he's like, oh, you've grown. And then she's like, father said, I needed to ask you if I may be excused. And she like looks over her husband's like sitting on his couch talking to some people. She's like, she's like, yes, you may be excused. And so then she goes back to her conversation with Tay. She's thought about this conversation and she wants to tell him something that only three people in the galaxy know about. And he's like, why would you want to do that? And she's like because i need your help and i'm hoping that i can trust you he's like is it personal or political and she's like political so then he suggests that she hesitate says that you know they both change he's done more more than grow weary of the empire and basically you know he's thinking about like her and her position everything like that so he says that his politics may be a bit strong for her taste. and you know, she's very close to the Imperials in her world and everything, you know, looking at her place and you know, where she's at in Coruscant. And he's like, you know, some people have kind of moved away from what the, like the Imperials is kind of doing or whatever like that. Then she, she says something basically like that. He's helped her make her decision. And she's talking about like how people perceive her, like kind of being irritating and, you know, doing stuff. She's like the, the Mon Montha people think they know it's a lie. It's a projection. It's a, a front. And she says that, you know, she's being watched. She talks about like her her driver, you know, being with the ISB or whatever, like kind of like listening in to what she does. And she says that she's trying to raise money. And you know, she said she used to be able to dip into the family fortune without concern, but that's changed. And he's like, Well, what's the money for? And she doesn't really answer what she says. So she's forming a chandrillin charitable outreach program, and she wants him to be the chairman. And it'll involve visits here to Coruscant. It will appear to be another of her benevolent and useless irritations. But he's like, you haven't answered my question. And she's like, and I won't. She's like, you're better off not knowing. Or perhaps you'd find my politics a bit strong for your taste. So then she, you know, her husband, Perrin, is like coming over towards him. She's like, he knows none of this and he's not to be trusted. So she's like, smile. And he comes. He's like, he's like, oh, you're reminiscing about school days, whatever, like that. And and she's like, oh, are we that obvious? And he's like, can I steal her? You know, there's a couple guests that need her attention or something like that. So then we see Andor. He sneaks over to Bix's. You know, he like hops the, the wall or whatever. He goes into like a little compound. He does. He he does like a knock on on this like pipe thing. But he does a. It's like I don't think they would have that in a galaxy far, far away. So you know he does a couple of times and you know this light goes on. Then he goes over by like the front door to Calm, and you know he's like he said you know he says hey it's me or whatever. And then she's like what are you doing here? And she she you know she's like this is the last place you should be. It's not safe here. And Andor's like what about Tim? And she says that she guesses that he thought that they were back together. And Andor's like why would he think that? And you know she opens the door. She's like you you know why whatever. So then he like looks at her, she's got like, you know, the bruise on her face and and he's like, What happened to you? And she's like, Well, I ran into a wall, like I do. And he says that, you know, she's like, You can't be here. And he's like, you know, oh the troopers won't catch him, you know, not here. And she says that he could get turned in. He, and he's like, By who? She's like, By anyone. It's like people blame you for what happened. So she explains that, you know, he killed a couple corpos and then he came home to hide. So he put the entire town at risk and now there's Imperials on the street. But he's like, well, Tim had kept his mouth shut. And she's like, if this, if that, you know, she's like, you lie, you steal, you flee. And then Andor's like, and yeah, and your your crazy boyfriend rats me out. And I'm the villain. She's like, you just need to get as far away from here as, as you can. And he's kind of seemed like hurt by this or whatever. So he's like, I will. And, and I am. He's like, you won't have to worry about me anymore. it's like, OK, you little baby. He, so he doesn't understand like what he's caused that by doing that, that he, he has put this Imperial presence on the, the planet now. So, but you know, he's about to leave, but then he's like, Oh, I need to know about the other guy. You're the buyers. Like, who is he? And she's like, I don't know. He's like, Oh, you're lying. And she's like, pack introduced us, but he swears he doesn't know anything either. And she's like, I have a calm. I call and I wait. Sometimes they respond. Andrew says that he knew all about him. He's like, how? Vic's like, I don't know. And she's like, whatever he knew wasn't for me. And then he's like, well, if you talk to him again, you need to tell him that I did my part of the deal and that he needs to forget about me. And then he goes, and that goes for everybody. So he basically he's telling her to forget about him, too. So she says, like, oh, I've done it before. And then he's he takes out a pouch or whatever. He's like twelve thousand credits. He's like that's everything I owe. You know, Nurchi, Brasso Dima. He's like twelve should cover it. Then he starts to leave, and she's like, "Be careful, Cass." And he's like, "You too." And he leaves. So he's walking down the street. sees a couple of stormtroopers. Then he has like a flashback to like a so it's supposed to be like thirteen years ago. He sees like a, a squad of stormtroopers, and there's some guy like throwing things at them. And then uh, oh, what's that 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 dude's name that was with um mava marva that like took him in he's like trying to calm them down whatever but then the stormtroopers stop you know the the drill sergeant or the commander tells him to stop and then they like turn around and they like point their guns at them and he was like out like in the street trying to calm these dudes down so he gets in trouble and it just leads to like basically him end up getting killed and this was so. This was like essentially like his father figure that took him in. So Andrew returns home and he's like, "Oh, it doesn't look like you've done much packing." And then B B B two EMO <laughs> says that she said that we can't. And Andor is like, "What is this about?" And he's he. She's like, "Well, I, I can't stay. What you know? She's like, I'm just you know, or I I can't leave. I need to stay." and he's like well don't you want to go somewhere where you know you don't have all this you know danger and stuff she's like i already have that here like in my mind or something like that so then he's like well what's what's left to keep you here and she's like the rebellion and he's like what she says you know it's overdue for 13 years you know, she walks down the maid road and she has to turn before the square because she doesn't want to think about clem hanging there so yeah clem so that was a uh, the, the guy's name which is why cassian took that name so she says, thinking about clam hanging her. Then yesterday she heard about this attack on Altani. And she's like, have you heard about this? And she said that, you know, she heard about that. She put on her best coat and she walked across the square with a smile on her face. She's like, if there are heroes brave, you know, brave enough to take on the whole imperial, you know, garrison, then she's brave enough to stick it out there. So she's like, I don't expect you to understand. And then he's like, Altani was just a robbery. And she says, you know, people are standing up. and He's like, yeah, getting killed for it. She says, well, you know, there's work that needs to be done. You know, she's been waiting around to die long enough. And he says that, you know, you can't beat them. And she's like, not if I run away. So she's like, you're on a different path. She's like, I'm not judging you. She's like, take the money you found and go find peace. He's like, well, I won't have peace. He's like, I'd just be worried about you all the time. And she's like, oh, that's just love. And because he cares about it, because this is basically like his mom. And then he's like, she's like, you can't stay and I can't go. She's like, tell me you understand. He's like, I don't. And she's like, "Well, you will." And she's like, "And one more thing, stop searching for your sister. It's a fantasy. You know, there were no survivors on Kanari." It's like, "What happened there wasn't your responsibility. You were a child." She's Like, let it go. So he's like, well, "I'm coming back," and she's like, "Of course you are." So there's another imperial meeting. Then uh, that one dude that Dedra argued with, where you know she wants to get like access to the criminal records in his sector to find out like what's going on with that the piece of equipment that Andor had. So he wants to levy charges of misconduct against her. So he believes that their sector protocols are being violated after she was previously reprimanded, and it risks compromising the imperial safety to a degree that silence is no longer possible. So Pardigas, the, the dude in charge, he asks for clarification. And he's like, "You're talking about Ferex? and you know, because there was an unusual item found in that dude's sector. Dedra wanted his crime reports, and a dude says that." Partagaz, determined Blevin. His his name is Blevin. That's uh, yeah, Blevin. So he says that Deja wanted his crime reports, and Partagaz determined her request was out of order and in violation of the chain of command. She's like, "That's not accurate." She's like, "You advised me to re- reinforce my suspicions with data and to be careful in my work going forward." And Blevin's like, careful, that's what that's your defense. He's like, I wonder how many at this table will think it's careful that you found a way to access our sector data without ever filing a request. And Part of Gaz asks her, like, is this true? And she's like, Yes. She's like, I used the Imperial Emergency Act in the wake of Aldhani to gather data across multiple sectors without official sanction. And she's like, but what is that is the wrong question. What I'd like to know is if anyone here believes a rebellion plans its actions around artificially constructed boundaries of our sectors. She's like, do they think that the rebels care about basically the lines that they drew on a, on a map? So it Partigaz is the one that, that drew those. And, and she's like, you she's what she said something like, you live by it or die. She basically, she's saying this like an, antiquated, um, like ideas or something like that. And then she's like, sir. <laughs> so basically, you know, she's saying, calling his his lines, boundaries into question. he So he asked her to, to elaborate. And she says that, you know, there's a, a focus organized rebel effort to acquire highly restricted imperial military components. And he's like, your evidence? She says by accessing unfiltered sector crime reports, she can now prove a link between the theft of their most secret equipment and its distribution to rebel groups across the galaxy. So Pardigas asks if this is hard verifiable evidence that she's prepared to present. And she's like, Yes, sir. So she believes that Supervisor Blevin is aware that she has a, a documented file ready to go. She believes his accusations here this morning have more to do with self-preservation than any sense of urgency. And Blevins is like, what's what's more urgent than a renegade officer? He's like, imagine if everyone in this room played as loose with the rules as you do. And Partaga like, excellent suggestions. He's like, I wonder where we'd be if everyone showed the same endeavor as Supervisor Miro. And she's actually caught off guard by that because it's like a compliment. He's like, I'll have to think about that. He's like, for the moment, I'm going to reassign the Morlena sector to Supervisor Miro. Ferex is of great interest to her and has clearly become a distraction for, for Blevitt. So he sees no urgent problem, but as always, he salutes a provocative exchange of ideas. So he concludes the meeting. He tells the others, I want your report and this and that, whatever. And then he asks Dedra, he's like, walk with me a moment. And then as they're walking out hall, he says, he's like, well played. And she's like, thank you, sir. And then he says, watch your back. And he like kind of walks off. Then it cuts to Ny- Nyami or Nyama or something. Nyami, I forget what it was. It's like some beach planet. And there's like ocean front, whatever. This woman wakes up and she's calling out to someone named Keef, who's like in the shower. So Keith is really Andor. So I'm like, I'm kind of confused. It's like, how the heck did he get there and set up? You know, how much time has gone by? Because he's he's in like the the bathroom section, you know, the, like water's running. And he's trying to open this case, so he's like pretending he's he's taking a shower. He's like, oh, I'll be out in a minute. But there's not not even like a door, so you know she could just like get up out of bed and see that he's not even wet or anything like that. He takes a couple of metal things out. I don't know if they're credits or something like that. Then he sets the case like above this like shelf structure thing in there, and then later he heads out because he's supposed to go pick up some things at at the market or something at the store. There's these like. I guess they're shore troopers. They're like storm troopers out there, and you know there, there's like a guy like being chased by one, and he's just like walking, like wondering what's going on. And he's he's still walking. He's like close to the shop, and then this a shore trooper is like, "What are you up to?" And he's like, "What? What do you mean?" He's like, "You're looking around." And there's like, "Oh, I'm just wondering what, what's going on." And the trooper's like, "Why are you sweating?" And Anders like, "It's hot out here." The trooper says, "Yeah, or you've been running." there's and like, "Why would I be running?" Because you're part of it. And he's like, "Part of what?" Then three guys run by, and the trooper calls out. He's like, "They're on Pier 9. So Anders is like, uh, "I can wait for you here." And then he's like, "Friends of yours?" He's like, "What?" The trooper's like, "You heard me." Anders like, "I don't know anyone here." It's like, "I'm a tourist." And then the, the trooper's like, "Tourists don't run." And Anders like, "But I'm not running." And he's like, "Got that right." So then this Imperial security droid seems to have caught like th- the three guys. He's like carrying to you and like tosses another one. So, the, the security troll is based like uh, K2SO, but it's not K2SO because they don't meet yet. Not yet. So, the trooper tells the droid, he's like, Hang on to this one for me. He's like, I want to go check something out. And then he's like, Did he say hang? Or did he say hang? It's like a low voice or like that. So, he grabs Andor by the throat and like lifts him up. He's like, No, no, that's not what he meant. He's like, Tell him what you meant. Whatever. And then it cuts to him being in court. So, they call out for Keith Gergo. Keith Gergo. And there's like, No, then Andor is like, oh here at at first i was like wait is he going is he taking someone else's claim he he forgot the name that he's going by here so he's basically charged with civil disruption anti-imperial speech fleeing the scene of anti-imperial activity attempted damage and he's like wait he's like no this is something wrong whatever he's like i'm just a tourist and the judge is like you know don't make it harder whatever like that and she's like this is you know six month sentence But then when she does his paperwork thing, she's like, six years. And he's like, six years. And he's like like, taken away. How the heck did he get here? I just don't understand. So I guess he took his money. He's like, oh, I'm going to go to this beach planet. And he hooks up with someone. And then he gets in trouble. And he didn't even do anything. Then it cuts to Karn. He's working at at a station at his cubicle thing. And it kind of pans out. There's like tons of little cubicle unit things and it just fades to black <laughs> it's, it's, it's like what is this dude's problem I don't understand like what something's gotta happen with him cause he's like so miserable and yeah but that's how it goes dude you, you're, you're a dork <laughs> and that's how the episode ends so a little more happens it's, it's like not really much but stuff I don't know it's such a weird show <laughs> so actually what what had happened so here here's like confession as I was watching this, this week's episode, I I had stopped halfway through so I could watch uh, Chucky and Stargirl on Wednesday. And then when I was thinking back to it, I thought that I had already watched all of Andor. I was like, man, there's like nothing that happened this, this week. It's like Andor was hardly even in it. But then I, I was like, oh, wait, I didn't watch it. I didn't watch a whole episode. I thought I'd watch it, but I didn't. And even though it's like a 50 minute episode or something like that, even though I watched half of it, I, I just assumed that I watched all of it, <laughs> but I do like the show. I, I promise. Okay. Then there is Batman and Superman. So this is a movie battle of the super sons. So uh, this is available now on blu-ray digital 4k, all that stuff. And it's a, it's a DC original movie for Warner brothers home entertainment. Um, I really enjoyed this movie, so it's it's in a separate continuity because you know, DC ha- has started kind of doing they kind of reset things, and you know we we've seen sort of like these younger versions of, of like Batman and Superman and everything. Although it, it felt like it kind of took a jump with the Green Lantern one because then we kind of had the Justice League. I think that's in the same continuity. It's I could be wrong. This movie is it's in its own continuity, so it's a little different. So this this movie has to cover a lot of ground, and I I feel like they do a really good job with it, and I almost feel like this movie doesn't insult the intelligence of, like, long – or, you know, comic book readers. It doesn't have to be, you know, like, long-term, like you've been reading for years and years or decades or anything like that, because – While we do see like super, you know, like Superman's origin and stuff like that, we don't get like every little intricate detail of the stuff that we've seen so many times. But what we do, we get enough of like Superman's origin, you know, Superman coming and then meeting Lois and then them getting married and having, you know, Jonathan a a son. So all that happens like pretty quickly, and so it the focus starts off like on Jonathan and Superman because they live in Kansas, they're on the farm uh Martha and Jonathan are, are this is a continuity where the parents are dead. the, the kids are dead. And Jonathan and he's about to his 11th birthday is coming up. So we see him like playing Little league and you know at school, he has no idea what's going on with his parents. and like at his baseball game, you know, dad said he was going to be there, but he's not there. so he's just like really bummed out, doesn't want anything to do with it. They get in an argument, and then his powers start developing. And then that's when he finds out my dad's Superman, because he had no idea. So we're we're getting seeing Jonathan start to develop his powers. You know, you got an 11 year old who's like finding out he's half alien, his dad's Superman, he's gonna have powers, you know, they go flying and stuff like that, and he's like having a blast. He's like thinks it's like the coolest thing, and everything like that. So it's just this is what I loved about Jonathan that you know, we have this this young. Superboy, in a way, you know, learning to take his powers and, you know, he's a good kid and he's just learning how to handle things. He's, you know, he's a kid, but he's extremely powerful or he will be. So then Superman eventually takes uh, Jonathan to the Batcave to meet, you know, Batman. And, and, you know, Jonathan thinks thinks that Batman's like the coolest and stuff like that. And then Damien's there. And Damien, of course, is a little poop, and, you know, he's just just so, like, nasty and, like, short with, with Damien because, you know, he doesn't have room for anything. He thinks that he's, just, he's maybe a year younger to him, but, you know, Damien's so much older and, you know, worldly and, and everything like that. So he's just, like, there's one part they're, they're talking about, like, his power's not developing. He's like, well, what about flight or something like that? And they, they said something like maybe they start to develop under stress or something like that. So Damien just, like, shoves Jonathan like off a platform because they're in the Batcave. So there's huge, and he's like like falling. There's like stalagmites on the bottom or something like that. So like Superman has to go and save him, and he's like, oh, I guess it doesn't. He doesn't. He can't fly, but he's like he would have killed him, and he's just like whatever. So you know we have this kind of hardcore Damien where he's just he's kind of a little jerk, but he was raised by assassins, so it's like what do you expect? He doesn't have social skills. The main um focus of the story then what happens is Starro's attack and it, it has to do i won't say where they come from so you notice know stories star Wars, we've even seen them in the suicide squad the little little starfish they come to attack everyone it's a little gross the way they, they come here because people aren't just like naturally walking around with stars on their face and hypnotize they're actually like the stars are in their mouths and when they, like, reveal themselves, they kind of, like, tilt their head back, and their their jaws almost become unhinged. And then these little starfish, like, kind of unfold out of their mouths and then pop up under their face. So it's, it's kind of gross in a way, and a little, little not really scary, but then, you know, they kind of, like, screech out, like, and make this noise. So all the, the, the heroes have been taken, because, you know, if you got Superman and Batman, they can easily— catch everyone off guard. And it it starts off before there's something with that watchtower and and stuff like that. That's where like it first starts out. But then it's up to basically Damien and Jonathan to try to save the day. But, you know, Jonathan barely has his powers and, you know, Damien doesn't have any powers. He's just uh, raised by assassins. We just get this really nice bonding, you know, as they try to save everything. Uh, We do... Have Lex Luthor in here. I mean, there's there's a lot of cameos. You know, we have Jimmy Olsen. Um, one thing of note is it a big deal? Is not Jimmy Olsen is black here? You know, he was black on the Supergirl show. But what's interesting is he he has freckles, and it's, it's like I, yeah, no, you can have freckles if you're black, but it's almost like they're really trying to combine the two. But then he's wearing, you know, he's he's got like the the vest, the green vest sweater with the bow tie. So it was just an interesting choice. Not a big deal. But I I'm just used to, you know, Jimmy Olsen, little little ginger, you know, redhead reporter, but he for all intents and purposes he was Jimmy Olsen. So, you know, that's a whole other debate, but just wanted to mention that. Um I didn't I, I didn't even have to bring it up, but whatever. Too late now. Uh so we we have all that, but the really the important thing This is what bums me out about DC aging. Jonathan, and I've talked about this so many times. I know I just need to shut up about it, but I, there's just, there's, it just really works. And I just feel like there's such a, they can still use it. They can still milk this or whatever, but I feel like you could just have this whole franchise. Like, I mean, I would love to see another super sons movie because just the, the voice actors, even that, just the just way to interact with each other, it's just, it was like so natural. It's like, it just, just something just really appealing about these two kids, you know, you, just such a contrast in their outlooks and everything. They like each other. They get along. Eventually, you know, they learn to like each other. And I, I hope we we get more Super Sons. And I I absolutely detest the fact that Jonathan has been aged. You can't have the same dynamic of the Super Sons. It just it wouldn't work. It just it doesn't make sense. You, see, yeah, you, you could try to do it. There's just something about them being more, you know, closer to kids than closer to being adults. So I just, it just really, really bothers me. But this movie has so much charm. I mean, it's it's just a lot of fun. Yeah, I, it's worth watching. So I, I would would check it out. The animations, I, I guess I should touch on that. If you watch the trailer, you see, you know, it's it's kind of like the sort of like the CG animated, but not quite CG. Some parts look really cool where they can really like push it and make things look really detailed and stuff. like you know, there's like this lake and mountains or trees or whatever. And like out in space, you can do some cool things. But then there's like some parts where sometimes the the characters look a little off, like almost like too, too pl- not plastic, fake. I mean, there's, it's definitely not plastic, but they just kind of look too. I don't know. It's it's hard to describe. Where it really works sometimes, and sometimes it's just like whoa. It's like I, I don't I don't like that. But I, I really enjoyed the movie. Uh, like I said, you should check it out. It's it's out on Blu-ray now. You can rent it digitally or buy it digitally. It's worth watching and supporting. I would love to get more. So let, let's hope that we get more. Now that we've established who they are and all that stuff, there's definitely room for more. And if all that wasn't enough, is in it also. Spoiler. So you should definitely watch this movie. Batman and Superman, Battle of the Super Sons. All right, now the movie feature is Black Adam and... I I haven't fully decided how I feel about this. So looking at Rotten Tomatoes, it's at a forty two percent right now from critics, eighty eight percent audience scores. So there there's a pretty, obviously a pretty big difference there. For for me, first of all, I I don't care a whole lot about Black Adam. I don't really care one way or other. I don't not like him. I don't really care for him. I do think as a Shazam villain, I it, you know he he's interesting with him being an anti-hero see i I don't that's where it kind of bugs me i feel like because dwayne johnson has whatever expressed interest has been attached has is black adam i feel like they're like well we don't want dwayne johnson to be a straight-up bad guy And, you know, so maybe we should make Black Adam, maybe put him more in the gray area, have him being, you know, an anti-hero where he's not just a villain. And we've seen that creep over into the comics that happens often. And, you know, I don't blame the comic editorial for doing this, but because of events happening in the movie, you know, because there's going to be a lot more people to see the movie than those that are reading comics. So obviously they want to make it a little more similar so if some of those people watching the movies pick up an issue they're not like wait this is completely totally different. So you know we've been seeing Black Adam be, being more of a hero, you know he, he's even been part of the Justice League for for crying out loud. <laughs> so we we have all that. But okay, there's that. Then let's talk about Dwayne Johnson. I love Dwayne I love the Dwayne Dwayne Johnson movies. I loved uh I loved the skyscraper movie. I didn't love it. I really enjoyed the skyscraper movie. I really enjoyed Congo. Well <laughs> oh, no, was it Congo? No, oh, was a not Congo. Um what's the 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 video game movie with with the the, the big ape and the lizard and the the werewolf? Oh, now i driving me nuts cuz I'm totally blanking on that. Uh, R- R- rampage that was it so it was based, quote unquote loosely and I'm, I'm totally doing as big air quotes i'm still doing air quotes based off of the video game <laughs> i enjoyed that it, it was you know it was what it was so you know, with the jungle cruise I, I was like dwayne Johnson I don't know how I feel about him in this this role he was good i enjoyed it it was, it was a charming movie and everything had a lot of fun so dwayne Johnson... I, when I think of Black Adam, I mean, Dwayne Johnson is is a, a beefy dude. And I, I mean that in, as the most complimentary way possible. I mean, he's, he's a big muscle-bound dude. He's got massive everything. And while Black Adam has your typical superhero physique, whatever, I don't feel it's quite the same as Black Adam's physique. So that just seems a little, you know, that's just minor things. Then there's just like other little things. So let me talk about things I didn't like first and then I'll talk about things I did like. The movie starts off with like a 5 minute plus introduction. Like the history of what is going on. I feel like when that happens that's kind of like a red flag. It's like why do you have to go into this big long spiel about who the characters are or who the characters were, what happened and you know everything that's leading up to the present. It just feels like all this, like kind of exposition or whatever, just to lay out the groundworks. When it's like, why can't we just ha- have things play out? You know, you you have to give us all this backstory just so we understand who the characters are. Er, are. Which you know that that's fine for. Not everyone knows who Black Adam is. You know, for for comic book readers, yeah, we we know the story, we know where it's coming from. It just it felt like weird because it wasn't part of the movie it would be like if they did like a five minute introduction you know on the backstory of like or the origin of of superman or batman it just doesn't happen you know you maybe you'll get a flashback or whatever but i guess that wouldn't have worked the same what so you have that and then where in in where black adam it was originally from and where he's at when he he was so basically you know he he's around you know, was it like 2,500 years ago or something, and uh, was it 2,600 B.C. or something like that? So, no, more, more than 2,600 years ago, obviously. When he he is, he's like in prison and suspended animation, whatever you want to call it, all this time, when he comes, wakes up in the present, it's just Dwayne Johnson accent. And everyone in conduct has an accent because they're in a foreign country not Dwayne Johnson he's he talks it's just I don't understand I feel like am I just totally missing something he he's just Dwayne Johnson and I don't think that Dwayne Johnson should try to do an accent or anything like that it just seems so weird so I, I just I don't I don't know um another major problem I had is there was so much slow motion and freeze frame moments. It's like in the middle, someone's running or flying or fighting and then they're moving and also in slow motion and look at, just focus on their character's face angle around and then continue. I'm like, Oh my gosh! And I get stylistically the, the idea that, you know, and this is a big Zack Snyder thing and, you know, Zack Snyder, he, he does it well, you know, whether that's like his signature trademark thing now or it's just, you know, whatever. I don't know does he do it in all his movies? Seems like he does it a lot but we we get a lot of that. Like, this isn't a Zack Snyder movie. It's like, why are we getting so much slow motion? And there's some cool visuals and everything but some of it I, I'm kind of torn with it. So like Cyclone, her character is, is, is interesting but I mean the, the 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 colors the green and like the the reddish from, tint from her hair looks cool and everything but it's almost like it's too green and there, there's just a lot of time where she's in action moving spinning around and then it's just like you see her face like looking into the camera locking eyes into your soul and then it continues so it's just a, a bit much um then you got your typical little skateboard kid who's like no fear of anything and he just, he, I, I don't know how I feel about this kid. So we got this kid He's really into superheroes, you know, whatever that that's cool. You're, you're making your, you know, their superheroes exist. You know, we have the justice league, we have Superman, Batman and all of them. And of course, if they existed in a real world, kids would look up to him. They would think that these are cool. These superhuman, these heroes, you know, you're going to have posters on a wall, all that stuff. But it's like, almost like, overkill and just some of the things that the the kid does like first of all when so spoiler when black adam is like revived and then then whatever then he he ends up getting brought over to this lady and her kid's house or apartment and he the kid like the he black adam's staying in the kid's room you know he's because he's he's unconscious and the kid just goes in there it's like no you shouldn't go in there you don't know this guy he just wiped out all these people he kills so many people which is why he's not a hero he's an anti-hero of course he's killing that intergang has taken over kandak spoiler <laughs> it's like what uh, this is intergang i don't know if there's any connection with intergang and kandak maybe i just don't know my kandak Kandok kandak history but i'm like okay and they've got these like sky sleds that they're flying around in it's like what is going on so we've got this kid it's like oh my gosh oh and then uh the, the kid's uncle like there's one scene you know he's he's a, the kind of if you saw the trailer he's a dude driving the van or whatever and there's one point where he's like sitting in the van you know, other people are going inside this tomb or whatever, but you know he doesn't want to go in there. And is it because he's a tiny bit overweight, so he doesn't want to do any work or whatever? He's supposed to be the kind of comedic relief, and so he's in the car and he's like listening to music. Uh, I forgot the song that he he's listening to, but then he's like kind of singing along, and it's again it's supposed to be for the comedy relief. And he's he's not singing along; he's like screaming a lot, and. I don't know if people normally do this he's not even singing in conjunction with the the songs as, as the lyrics as they come out he's like completely ahead or off and it's just uh, and there's a weird use of, of music in here you know we had I think there's like smashing pumpkins like in, uh what not rat in a cage what's that song you know what I'm talking about and there's like something oh, the, oh I did think it was cool when you hear paint I'm all over the place talking about this. It, I'm just so tired now. At, at this point, uh, like painted black when it comes on. First, it's it's like kind of like a orchestral um, arrangement of it, and then it kind of bleeds or mixes. It leads into more of a like traditional Rolling Stones version. And why I, the reason I say kind of because it's not it's an edit or remix of the, an edit, uh, not really remix. It's more of an edit of the Rolling Stones version, and it kind of bothered me how they chose to cut it because they i i really like painted black it was one of my favorite songs I, I know it's whatever typical cliche um i just i really dig it uh other reasons go back when i first heard the song and so, so forth won't get into but it's just like they the way they kind of cut it and it just, it cuts out like the whole heart of the song and it's just like, I don't know, I don't know just that's a minor thing that, that bugged me. So that, that, that I shouldn't even bring that up because that, that shouldn't even matter. But it was, it was weird that, you know, using this music and sometimes I feel like I, I really enjoy when, especially if it's a song that I like, you know, a lot of times when it's used in a movie, I feel like if it can be done really well, sometimes I'm a little skeptical and I feel like they're using this just to make a connection. Like, oh, someone probably really likes this music and maybe they haven't heard this song in a while. So we're going to play it. It's going to pull on that nostalgia factor and people are going to think it's like, oh, this song is in the movie. It's really cool. And because like, like, you know, Nirvana and the Batman, I, I love that. And I, I'm sure a lot of people wouldn't like that, but I, I thought it worked. So I feel like it was almost a, too much of some, some music. It, it was fine. Not a big deal. Um, I'm trying to think what else there was. There, I feel like uh, Amanda Waller in here was was a little weird. So basically, you know, we have the threat of Black Adam now that he's awakened. So Amanda Waller's like, this dude needs to be... We need to do something about him. So she doesn't send in Task Force X. She sends in the Justice Society, which is like, wait, why? How... Is she re- involved with with them? You know how she connected with them. So we we have them. So she sends in Hawkman, um, Aldous Hodge. She sends in Doctor Fate, uh, Pierce Bronson, and then she sends in uh, Adam Smasher, who's played by Noah Centineo, and he's uh, like I think the nephew of the original Adam Smasher. And then there's a uh, Cyclone. <laughs> it's like, um okay that's an interesting choice i I, th- I thought she was she was you know g- good i i, I liked the uh, uh her quintessa swindell I thought she did a good job in the character. One thing I didn't like is a lot of times she's when Adam Smasher would say something or do something, she'd kind of look at it. It's like, okay, are you trying to set up like some love connection with the way she's looking at him? It's like, oh, they're, they're the only two young, you know, same age people in the room, in the ship, in the the whatever. So of course they gotta fall in love. It just seemed like that much. Uh, Pierce Bronson, I I love Pierce Bronson. Um, I love. The way he sang "SOS" and "Mamma Mia," even though a lot of people think it's horrible, and maybe it kind of was, but I love that song. uh He he was good as Doctor Fate. A little too much taking the helmet off, but it, it's to be expected. You know, you're not going to hire Pierce Bronson and have him wearing the helmet the whole time. So there's there's some cool things with the way he approached and and introducing the character and just telling us like who this character is and and wh- what he does and wh- where's his, his you know his place in, in thing in the world is although you do have to wonder where are these characters when general zod is like destroying metropolis and no one else cares and even when everyone's buried under buildings superman's just making out with Lois Lane even though people are probably screaming "help me i'm buried under a building" <sighs> superman uh, <laughs> So Pierce Bronzo was cool. Aldous Hodge as Hawkman, I loved him. I thought he was great. He just has that, not necessarily anger, but not necessarily a chip on his shoulder, but he's just, you know, he's got this command, this present, you know, he's he's in charge and he's just, he he's, I don't want to say like he was angry and everything, but, you know, that's these are a lot of traits that Hawkman has. And I wouldn't typically think of Hawkman as being like the leader of any group because he's just he's just too angry or just gung-ho so you know he's he's got a you know a good head on his shoulder i like the interaction between him and adam smasher when adam smasher would kind of mess up a little bit or something like that and he's like you and me <laughs> we're like we're gonna talk uh and, and the thing is uh, what i would do want to say i'm not trying to like toot my own horn or pat my whatever and i think but i i got to talk to aldous hodge at san diego comic-con because he does the voice of john stewart in the green lantern animated movie um He's a super nice guy, he's super charismatic, and I, I thought it was great just being able to sit at a table with him and talk because he's he just seems like such a cool guy, and that made me like the his performance even better. Because you know, it's, it's nice when you know the actor is like a decent person, you know, they're a human being and everything, and so it just really made me appreciate. Um, and you know, maybe part of it is like, okay, I, I was like three feet away from this person now i'm watching him pull you know do all this crazy stuff on the screen and it's just it's like whoa this is nuts so I, I thought he was really cool even though i'm not the biggest hawkman fan and just a lot of time you know black adam's floating around and hawkman's just like floating with his he's flapping his wings and so it's like you got a dude that has big wings but he's a fierce fighter and you know there's some cool moments and everything like that so it's a little questionable like how the justice society approaches things or whatever but you know that's part of the story. So there's some some interesting uh, the the little kid's mom sometimes she's a little too like assertive like oh no we're going to do this like wait why is anyone listening to you? Why would Black Adam listen to her when he's like I'm not a hero? Uh, and and so there's little minor things that are, you know that make it not perfect or whatever or close to perfect but it, it was it was a decent movie all around. The only thing, the other thing that sticks out when uh, Black Adam first gets his powers or not his power his costume, it's not really a costume. It's kind of like his skin changes. So then after that moment, I'm like, wait a minute, is Black Adam like naked the whole time and his skin just turned black? Is like because he we don't see him out of the costume. Although we know we do later on we do, but it's like wait a minute is that a costume or <laughs> that's a, a, just a silly thing. So it was a, a decent movie. I I didn't love it. Some parts I, I was some parts I was kind of I wait I'm missing out on things. I'm, I'm too busy rolling my eyes. I'm missing what's happening next. But it, it was fine. And you know I hate to say it, you know for a DC movie it it was it was good. You know and we'll see where where this goes. Mid credit scene is uh it's it was cool i didn't like the way it was executed it just it felt really forced like trying to like get these characters it just it didn't seem it felt so weird and i'll I'll say it has something to do with amanda waller she she, (laughs) it's just like really Uh, uh, i don't know so hopefully something will come out of that so that's all i'm gonna say so it's it's a it's a good movie it's worth watching it's not great i would you know if i'm gonna give it a a score i would maybe say a three out of five 2.5 out of five maybe i haven't really decided yet where it goes you know i had some some big issues with some parts but there are some cool moments as well i love dwayne johnson I don't love Dwayne Johnson as Black Adam. I don't know if he's really right for the role, but then again, I'm not like a huge Black Adam fan, so I kinda don't really care. It's like, okay, great, it's Black Adam. Or it's Dwayne Johnson. I'll watch a movie with Dwayne Johnson. Like if if they cast someone else who is maybe a little closer to what I would kinda mentally I don't even know what how I would describe what I would expect. Maybe it wouldn't have been as appealing because getting some random person. So you know, maybe it's good that it's Dwayne Johnson, and I don't know. So it, it was a fine movie, you know, in my opinion. But obviously, if it's eighty-eight percent or whatever it was on audience scores, people are are enjoying it. That's what matters. And what matters is this is another issue, another another episode that has come to an end. It's it's I I gotta I gotta get out of here. So, big thanks to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter. Go to patreon.com slash Heck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. And I'm currently talking about some Batman issues from 19, the early 1960s, and they're just really weird. I sometimes talk about other things. If you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can help. also help out by going to coffee.com slash gmanfromheck and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or three. And that is ko-fi.com slash gmanfromheck. So now, you know, I say this every week. What's going to be the feature for next week? I really don't know because I don't think there's anything opening in theaters next week. So I'm not sure... What the, the main feature will be. Um, There's a show on Amazon, The Peripheral, with uh, Chloe Grace... What's her name? <laughs> Jeez, Tony, come on. Um, I, two episodes dropped on Friday. Don't know if I'll just talk about two episodes next week. I mean, one, I need to see if, if I enjoyed the show or not, if, if I feel it's worth covering. I could potentially do three episodes, but I don't know if I want to push that and and you know try to commit to to doing because I, I still haven't finished Lord of the Rings okay, since I I stopped with that so we'll see about that that may I don't know if that's big feature e enough there's also a movie that came out on Friday the twenty first uh, Dangerous Games the Legacy Murders so this is a movie written by Brian Bucciolato, who has been on this podcast I think once and he was on the, the super massive podcast many, many, many times. Brian's a great guy. Um, you should check it out. You can It's it's on Vudu. You can rent it or buy it. And it's, It might be playing in theaters. Unfortunately, it wasn't playing in my local theater. I would have watched it the, this weekend. So I've, I'll definitely talk about that next weekend, but I don't know if there's anything else that there is to talk about. I don't think there's anything coming on TV, so I'm not sure. It, it's weird that There's like nothing, you know, right before Halloween, there's no other, you know, we have Halloween ends, but like nothing else. I don't know. Maybe something will come out that I just like, oh, didn't realize that. There's also Amsterdam. I don't know. We'll see. But that is going to be it. So thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. Thank you for being here. I hope you are doing well. I hope everything is going smoothly in your life. I hope you're taking care of others. I hope you're taking care of yourself. I hope you remember to be good to each other.